You there! Yes, you. Want to spice up your boring pedestrian existence for thrills and danger? Ready to kick that 9-to-5 job to the curb and start making a real difference in people's lives? Looking to make some quick cash and help curb the overpopulation crisis at the same time? Then you're just the crazy entrepreneur we're looking for. Welcome to Dub Talk Incorporated, a rising power in legit, totally not illegal activity in your local community. All you need to sign up are the following qualifications. 1. Dub Talk Incorporated contains copious amounts of foul language that is not suitable for young assassins. Only those with the ears for such activity are advised to apply. Second, all activities within the association contain spoilers of all stripes and colors for everything you can imagine. Associates must be on their guard for the unexpected plot twist or character death that they may come across in this profession. Third, any and all opinions expressed by the various members of Dub Talk Incorporated belong henceforth to the associates and do not necessarily reflect the company as a whole. We may be murderers, but we're professionals about it. And lastly, and this is most important, never, ever lose your secret weapon. You never know when you'll need to take out that big guy with a knife gun right between the eyes. Besides, you can't collect that paycheck if you're not alive. Now, for all of those with the guts for the job, we humbly welcome you to the local division of our organization. Codename, Hakata Tonkotsu Ramens. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Dub Talk, where a group of Chinese cross-dressing hitmen get together and talk about a anime and its dub and all the good stuff that comes with it. So tonight with me, I've got a ragtag group, and starting off, we've got no clue. Aloha, and may I just say that you are looking mighty dandy in that dress today, Lack. Thank you. <laughs> Next up, we've got Jamal. Oh, honey, I make this outfit look so good, and so do you. <laughs> and rounding out this ironically small group for such a large casted anime, Roots. Dirty deeds and they're on dirt cheap. <laughs> now, the, the, uh, honestly, if you've looked at the numbers that some of these guys get, uh, I don't think cheap is exactly the word. Yeah. <laughs> Big fat stacks. <laughs> Gotta start somewhere, though. Yeah, exactly. How would you know? Roots, what are you doing on the side? Who <laughs> <laughs> killed Roots? Look, the important thing is they make it rain red rum. Let's put it that way. There you go. Uh, that, that is true. So, should we just go ahead and get started? Well, uh, uh, let me just uh, get these heels off because uh, you could actually kill someone in these heels. But, yeah. Uh, all right, I think we're ready to, to talk about this show. What, what are we talking about today, anyways? I forget. We are talking about the very difficultly named Hakata Tonkotsu Ramens, which is a uh, which is a crime drama kind of mystery anime based around. I need a plot. I'm gonna go to Wikipedia. In uh, Fuku, uh, how do you pronounce it? Fukuoka. Fukuoka. Crime reaches new heights in the seedy underworld and the Hakata ward of the city. There are various individuals with special talent who are professional killers, detectives, informants, and professional revenge seekers. Among those, a so-called killer of professional killers is becoming more than just an urban legend. So, thanks, Wikipedia. Anyway. I mean, this is not... 
um, what they say, like three percent of the population of this town are professional murderers. I would right? say it's yeah. more than three percent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At this point, right when the story starts, it's three percent. By the time we've gotten to where we are, which is, yeah. uh, by the way, uh, for the dub, we have gotten up to episode six as of the part of this recording. Uh, it's probably a bit more than three percent at this yeah. point. I think we're only covering up to like episode four, though. Yeah, we only yeah. watched up to episode four. <laughs> Correct. So why are we only covering up to episode four, though, Lack? Well, we're covering up to episode four because that seems to be the point of the first story arc where it begins and ends. And for the first story arc, it's basically uh, the story of Ling Zhanming, who comes to the city uh, under a mission and finds out that his sister is actually in the city as well. And unfortunately, that's kind of spoiler territory that I don't think I'm allowed to talk about, right? No, we don't put that spoiler uh, warning out there for nothing. But okay. uh, at the very least, I, I think we can hold off on some of the... People will die in this show, but yeah. I think oh, we yeah. can maybe hold off on saying exactly who dies. Yeah. but Th That one guy. That one guy and that one girl with those two people. That th Those people die. But I will say that uh, Ling decides after a mission to help out uh, Detective Zenji Banba. And uh, for most of the first arc, for the first four episodes, they basically work together to find out some interesting things involving Ling, uh, Ling's sister. So, along with the help of some other hitmen groups, and all the meanwhile trying to avoid the kind of sinister mayor and his group of people. Would you say that this show uh, shares a bit of similarity in its cast style to shows like Bacano and Durarara? It's funny because I'm watching Durarara right now. I'm actually up to Durarara X2, and yeah, um, it's a little more straightforward, I would say, than Bacano and Durarara. But uh, yeah, the cast is definitely definitely competing. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So, well, all right. Shall we talk about dubs then? Alright, yeah, might as well. That's what we're here for. Uh, so I'm here for the ramen. Yeah, right. Specifically, a specific kind of ramen. Uh, so, yeah, let's start out with the ADR director, or directors, as I should say. Uh, did we have any predictions, gentlemen? I did. I did too, actually. Uh, yes, I did. Um, why don't you go first, though? I'll, I'll, uh, why don't I go last on this one? Okay. Um, so I had two predictions for director. Um, one I didn't follow through with on the casting, and one I kind of did. Uh, first off is Tyler Walker, mainly for Bacchano, as well as... You know, he, he kind of does the, the action mystery show very well. But I also put in Clifford Chapin. Okay. This, actually kind of seemed right up his alley. And so you mean like the, uh, uh, up his alley, but I mean like a large cast, action-oriented and yeah. dialogue-heavy kind of shows? Yeah. And, um, for the scriptwriter, I had Clint Bickham mainly for the same reason. Like, he he does a lot of the action comedy dubs really, really well. Uh, my predictions were for a director, a brooding man with a large beard, and for a scriptwriter, someone with a filthy mouth. <laughs> that could be anybody at Funimation. I'll so, be so. I'll be honest. I had no predictions at all. So. I see. Uh, okay. From those predictions, so you predicted Penn and Teller. <laughs> I was gonna say, I thought the first one was Chris Sabat, but I didn't know. <laughs> long flowing beard. Uh, that, that's, oh, that's long accurate. flowing beard. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that part. Okay. 
No, he, he's pretty he's uh, shaggy these days. Oh, uh, well, okay. I, I thought it was going to be special with my director role, but uh, actually I'm in Roots' camp in that I also put Tyler Walker, <laughs> mostly for his work on Bacchano. Um, I, I haven't watched a lot of stuff that he's done recently, actually. Like, I didn't watch uh, Dees Array or anything else he did from the previous season, so I was kind of hoping that uh, this would be a good chance to, like, re-catch up on some of his work. Um, as for Ryder, I had... I believe uh, this is the reason I put her. I had Blair Rowan because of writing for, um, I think it was for Blood Blockade Battlefront, actually, because that's another series that has uh, kind of this inner city action comedy vibe with a, a wide range of characters to it. So I, I thought that that would fit well with the writing style that Blair's done in the past. All right, then I guess I'll go. And surprise, surprise, one of my two choices for ADR director was Tyler Walker. <laughs> You got the hat <laughs> But uh, my other one, since nobody else uh, also predicted this, uh, I went with Zach Bolton. Okay. A pretty classic style. Uh, just because of Psychopaths and, um, I guess, like, I don't know, Future Diary, Death Parade, I felt like this kind of series kind of fits into that mold of stuff that he's done before. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And uh, I did have a script... Uh, I did have a script... Uh, prediction, which shouldn't really be a surprise to anybody, I picked the illustrious Mr. J. Michael Tatum. <laughs> Just, uh, for any particular script I've done in the past? Um, mostly... I know I had a reason. Um, 91 Days. That was it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that, was, that was my main, uh... That was my main reason for why I thought he might get it. Just because this seemed like a series up his alley anyway. This is usually the kind of stuff he's, he's put with so, so with all those predictions, I'm sure at least one of us got a prediction right, right? Uh, no. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> you sure? Yeah. No. Uh, well, unless no, no, we all got it wrong. Okay, I was gonna say, did I did I mishear somebody or what? I I'm pretty sure that this guy does. None of these fit into Jamal's predictions of long flowing beard and. Okay, one of them does have a filthy mouth. I'll give him that. <laughs> no, no, no. What do you mean? Doesn't have a long beard? You see this headshot? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, who is it, uh, Lack? Uh, well, for ADR director, for the first director, we have Jeremy and Min, known for Arihara, Saga of Tanya the Evil, Desert Punk, and Heroic Legend of Arslan, Dust Storm Dance. And for the assistant ADR director, we have Anthony Bowling for Knights in Magic, Garo Vanishing Line, which he was an assistant, Space Battleship Yamato, 2199, also an assistant. Uh, and D. Grayman, uh, also assistant for Season 4. So, and for the scripts, we have Aaron Dismuke. Known That's for, it. Yeah. Hey, it was right Filthy mouth. Yep. Yes, you were. <laughs> he would have to to write this script that he did. Uh, uh, Nanbaka. Uh, oh my god. Sugumomo. Uh, Tokyo Ghoul. He wrote for Tokyo Ghoul? Yeah. Know. Wow, okay. And Kino's Journey, The Beautiful World. Mm-hmm. Turns out wasn't so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, gri pretty grimy for this one. Well, if I had to be honest about... Okay, so, um... I, I really like the show as it is. Um, like, we're just talking about content. I, I'm really enjoying the show. It's the kind of show that, uh, I have real trouble waiting week to week for new episodes to come out. So, as far as the dubbing on this goes, I think it's really well written. I'm going to give Aaron all the credit here for having really well written dialogue. It's snappy, it keeps the pace going back and forth. There's lots of 
little subtle things that uh, were well adapted from the Japanese into the English, and everyone, it's you know, it's very well written. Like I'll give full credit on that. If I had a problem with this, I think I may actually have a problem with the direction on this one because. All of the characters sound very similar to each other um, in just like speech patterns. Like a lot of range is in the the actors and their natural speaking, like the way that they speak. But there's a lot of speech patterns that just sound very similar to each other. It sounds very, in quotation marks here, I'm putting. It sounds very anime, if that makes any sense. And yeah. I was hoping for something a little more uh, urban. So, like if you've seen, I don't know, like a Ralph Bakshi movie or like, even Bakano uh, show that gave uh, dialects and flair and color to all the characters to emphasize their backgrounds. I was kind of with something a little more like that. And yeah, I'm just not as enthralled with the direction, mostly on just how the characters were told to speak. Not so much their acting chops or their dialogue, just the way they were directed. I mean, I do to a degree agree with you on the, uh, on the direction. That said, considering this is, this is Japan, modern, ish era i think it was like <clears throat> mid 2000s i think the the show was set mm -hmm. you don't have quite the same option for like accents and dialects and all that that you would have for something like bacano well right right and i understand that a lot of the characters are not as international as bacano but like I'll, there's one character in particular who we're not going to talk about who is Russian, but they don't give him a Russian accent in the, the English dub. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, it, little thing, little touches like that that make it feel more international, more varied, we're kind of missing in the direction. Right. I, I do have to agree with you that the dialogue is snappy. There's a lot of good banter between characters, which... You know, might also be part of the uh, part of the sub version. I, I've watched like the first episode or two subbed, and I do have to say I have to give props to Aaron Dismuke for writing in swears, but yeah, <laughs> but not being overpowering with them. Yeah, yeah. There's there's only one f bomb I think so far. If I'm yes. not mistaken. Yes, yes. In the first four episodes, there's only been one f bomb. So. You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't like uh, who's the guy I'm thinking of used to work at Senta? Stephen Foster. Stephen Foster. I knew you were thinking yeah. of right as soon as you said that one guy. There's there's a lot of cursing in that show, but it it seems strategically placed and appropriate for the mood of the character. Mm -hmm. Strategic. That's a very good way to put it. <laughs> Strategery. Um, Jamal. Uh, yeah, I have to agree with you on this. Uh, script writing, I mean, it's very solid. Aaron knows what's put swear words, and I think to the point that, uh, well, I guess when Jeremy looked at the script, you know, after every episode's recorded, he just take him to the bathroom and wash his mouth out after every episode. Because, <laughs> you know... Alphonse, like hit, how could you? Because, you know, like a hitman, Jeremy takes his job very seriously. He's a professional. <laughs> the direction casting I don't really have a problem with. If it do, if I do, that's because the first episode was paced so heavily that it kind of made a, a lot of the act uh, to a little off-putting. I mean, yeah, it, it the, the first chaotic pace. The, yeah. the first episode was kind of choppy in like how it did stuff, but like once I actually did, went back and watched more, I was <laughs> just like, oh, this series is actually pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, so, as time the, the, 
as time went on, it kind of the pace kind of slowed down a little to where I could actually keep up. And yeah, I'm surprised that the first arc ended that quick, though. I mean, yeah, I wonder if it's yeah. longer in the manga. Who knows? I know it's Jeremy did a great job. Anthony did a great job. I want to know if Anthony's on Red Bull or something because <laughs> one thing I've learned about Anthony Bowling this season. The man's an assistant for four shows. Apparently. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that they've got cloning technology perfected at Funimation these days. No, I, I think it's either only a select few. They've got the they've got that universal money now. So. <laughs> yes. The problem. I don't not, know if that's a good thing or bad. I thing. want I want to know what his pacing is like, because Jesus Christ, if I even tried to direct one one show, I would just. I would break down. Like, I don't know how he does it. I don't know what he does. Anthony Bordick, whatever you are, let me get some, man. Like, I mean, it all depends on how much an assistant director actually does, I think, you know? So. Well, I know, I know is, to put it in terms, he's like a relief pitcher for the other ADR directors. That's perfect. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems about right. So maybe it's like, uh, you know, he's on four different shows, so maybe it's like, Entirely devotes his up his energy to one show per day, and then Friday is just like the crash day. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's just hope Saturday is his rest day. And on the fifth day, he rested. <laughs> and on the sixth on the day, God made bad. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, this entire I agree. There's a lot of choppiness in that first episode, mostly because they're obviously trying to introduce all of the characters all at once. Um, it's totally different. From something like Bakano or Durarara, where they do that by jumping from time period to time period. In this one, it's everything is in chronological order. Almost, almost. We see one scene at the very beginning of the show that is then we flash back to the beginning of the day leading up to that moment, but everything else is in chronological order. Right. So, pretty much everything you guys said, I totally agree with. Um, I The pacing did make it a little hard to, to get into it, and I think that might have been a bit of an issue, like, for doing for doing a simuldub, you know. So, it, it was, it might be a little difficult for them to really be able to know what they want to do with these characters and how they want them to sound, and I think that's why a lot of them kind of sound alike, because hmm. they wanted to play it safe. And t- to some degree, like, I, I, I get it. I guess I'm, I'm a, not particularly a big fan of when characters sound alike. I prefer voices to be distinctive. Mm-hmm. So I, I do get where you're coming from, Noah. I guess I just, I, I also understand that this show is very, very crime drama. And you don't want your characters to sound too goofy or too cartoony. So I guess I get that aspect of it as well. So I'll give him, yeah, I'll agree with you in that playing it safe was a better option than going over the top with accents or intentional uh, dialects given to everybody, right. especially in that first episode. Because that's one of the downsides of watching of uh, simul dubbing is that they don't get to see the whole show first and then make casting decisions from there. They can only go off of the first couple episodes available, cast from there and stick with that actor, hopefully, throughout the duration of the show. Yeah, I mean, that's what Vic Mignogna was talking about when he did Zodiac War, right? Right. He, like, he casted Stephanie Young as a specific character because he thought she was going to be in the show longer, 
and then she just dies, right? Yeah. So I mean, we don't. Yeah, we don't have. Uh, you don't always get the content from directly from the Japanese producers about one character's fade or who you shouldn't cast but, who, but, for a, a long stay. But the thing about that is with those type of shows, some of them have like source material attached to it, so they study up on the source material as much as they can before they go about casting who they want to cast. Right. At the same time, though, you probably only have, like, a matter of a couple of days at most to get familiar with the source material before you start listening to audition tapes and And, and making your cast. Lord knows, I mean, Inman and Bowling must have looked at this series and thought, okay, anybody could probably die, so... (laughs) So we gotta be prepared for any character getting killed off, like, when we least expect it. Oh, yeah. We'll get to we'll get to that. Yeah, and that's a good segue. Uh, so why don't we move on to the antagonists, which include oh boy, <laughs> which, which is, is everybody, right? Yeah, because it's everybody. Sh- it's not just Shang. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, we've got Reiko Asakura, we've got Shinohara, we've got Munakata, and Shang, the mob boss. All right, the the big godfather-looking guy. Yep. So I actually do have some predictions for some of these characters. Does how did, how does anybody else like anybody? Else I actually him? I actually have one for all four. I, I have one for three of them. I have I have some joke predictions. Oh, awesome! Okay, nice. All right. Whoever's whoever's editing this, make sure you put Jamal's joke prediction images up on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Noah, why don't you go first this time? Sure thing. Um, let's see, uh, Reiko and Munakata are, uh, two of them that come up, uh, pretty, uh, right next to each other in the show, and I was watching the first episode in sub, so I can make a prediction before I found out who they were actually cast as. Reiko, I had Trina Nishimura, because she's really good at being a badass girl, especially in shows like Attack on Titan, and she's always good at the lower-voiced characters instead of, like, the higher-pitched Moe characters. Um, and then for Monokata, I kind of defaulted to, all right, who's a cool older guy char- actor? And I was like, uh, I flipped a coin and it landed on R. Bruce Elliott. Ah, okay. All right. And as, as for Zhang, I, uh, I, I was kind of, I, I, I like this actor in particular who I'm going to guess. And even though I wasn't quite sure his voice would fit with it, I thought it could, it could make the character a little more interesting and less obviously evil. And that was Brandon Potter, who's got this like really, <laughs> oh. he's got this really, he's got this really cool, uh, badass but also sentimental voice to him. But he can also be kind of a, you know, kind of a bastard too when he puts his heart he's, into it. So. He's um right, he he's Klaus von Reichert, right? No, that is Jim. Uh, who is it? Um, Jim uh, Phil Parsons. That's right, uh, Klaus. Sorry, Phil. Yeah, no, Brandon Potter no. shanks in One Piece. Okay. All right. All right, all right, all right. I know him best as uh, Harima in um, School Rumble. Okay. Now, um, and I can't make a prediction for um, who's the other guy, uh, Shinohara, because honestly, I don't quite remember this character. <laughs> he's like he's he, the guy with the bombs. He's the, the demolitions he, expert. He's the guy who gets a uh, gets his old Bob baseball bat into his face. Home run! Oh, you out of there. He's the one who looks like Peter Parker before he got bit by the spider. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
okay, I'm gonna have to go back and uh, like obviously he won't show up again, but um yeah, yeah. I had those three predictions. I don't remember Bomb Guy. I remember him dying. I do remember him dying and a couple other people dying, but I don't remember his acting at all. Yeah. Sorry. Uh so Roots, why don't we do you next? Okay. Uh, so for Shang, I kind of wanted to get sort of a deeper registered actor. Because, you know, he, he's a big dude. And for that, I kind of defaulted to Jeremy Schwartz. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Get a um, classic voice, at, like a dubber for that sort of thing. I get yeah. It. For Reiko, I had Jamie Markey because I, I kind of had trouble <laughs> figuring out someone for her. Jamie Markey is kind of the go-to when you really don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I feel bad. I'm, I'm sorry, Jamie, if you're listening to this. But, yeah. It would have... But it, it is like when worked. you... When you can't think of a voice actress to fill a female role, you're just like, yeah, probably Jamie Markey. <laughs> yeah. When in doubt, Jamie it out. Yeah. <laughs> so, Munakata, I kind of went a little unorthodox with him. I know he's an older character, but I kind of thought Marcus Stimmick would fit. Okay. Huh. Like and for any one of Marcus's roles in the, uh, in the past? Uh, Dragon from Ping Pong. Oh, he was the he was the big guy, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, the big bald dude. Yeah, that's the one, yeah. And for yep. Shinohara, I had Dallas Reed, because he's kind of a little dweebish character, and... Like, Dallas Reed plays little dweebish characters really well. Oh. And, and we mean that in a totally loving way, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Because we're, yeah, we're going to talk about dweebish characters a couple of times in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Jamal, would you like to give us your predictions, quote-unquote? Uh, yeah. For Reiko, a uh, mature female who sounds like she can kill... Uh, for Shinohara, dweeb who gets shit blown up in his face. Quite literally, of course. Uh, Mudokada, an older dilf with an eye patch, And Shang, somebody who sounds like he escaped from prison. Well, you're not too wrong. Uh, <laughs> Alright, I'll give my predictions now. Uh, I did not have one for Shang. Uh, but for uh, Reiko Asakura... I actually had... I have... Uh, Felicia and Jelly. Okay. Wow. Um, just because... I'm, I'm trying to think of what I heard her in recently that made me think... I, I guess... Maybe I just kind of figured her voice for The Devil is a Part-Timer would have worked. So... I haven't seen that yet. It's a good series. You should. Ooh, you Anthony Bowling's the lead in that one, isn't he? No, one he's of the, the sidekick. Two. He is the devil, isn't he? I, I thought no, he that's that. uh, that's Josh Greeley. Okay. Yeah, that's right. He's um, he's Asia. the devil's henchman. Oh, okay. But I knew he was in there. I just didn't know what. Like, like I said, I haven't seen Sue yet. It's actually funny you would say that because for my um, for my prediction for Shinohara, I actually guessed Josh Greeley. Oh, yeah. okay. And for. I, I almost feel like I shouldn't say it, but for Munakata, I actually predicted David Wald. Okay. I, I'm, I'm sorry to say that ever since uh, Gigi completely corrupted my prediction, of, or my thought of David Wald, I always see him now, I just see Dilf. 
That's all I hear when I see the name David Wald. It's like, yeah, she kind of corrupted my thought of David Wald in a different way. So, 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 Lack was thinking that Eyepatch Wear. Wait, no, which one did you thought was gonna be David Wald? Uh, Munakata. Yeah. It was, okay. So yeah, you thought Dilf Eyepatch Wear. Well, it's funny because a couple of us were actually right. Yes, we were. Yeah. <laughs> So, for Reiko Asakura, it was actually Anasta uh, Anastasia Manaz. Did I pronounce Munoz. that right? At Munoz. Anastasia Munoz. Anastasia Munoz. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, who was Cynthia in Claymore, Coco Hekmetiar. Coco Hekmetiar. Okay. <laughs> Jormagund. And Narborel Gamma in Overlord. Uh, for Shinohara, it was actually Dallas Reed. Uh, hey. Who was Asta in Black Clover? Uh, Yamamoto, uh, yeah, yeah, Yamato no y Yamato no Kami. Yamato no Kami in Tokan Rambu Hanamaru, and Hatano in Joker Game. For Munakata, it was actually David Wald. How the heck did you get that? I have no idea. <laughs> I just looked at Munakata and I was just like, I can kind of. Yeah, I can kind of see <laughs> David Wald's raspy voice kind of working for the character, and apparently so did Jeremy Inman. So, go figure. Of course, David Wald is known for being Best Dad, Jermaine Louise, in Girl of the Animation, uh, Bulat in Akameka Kill, and Count Magnus Lee in Vampire Hunter D, the Sentai dub. <laughs> and for Zhang... Or Jong, or I don't know. Jong. <laughs> uh, yeah. Jared Green, known for Tigre in 91 Days. Uh, Mogazu in Gr uh, Grimgar, Ashes and Illusions. And Rock in Nanbaka. So, who wants to go first talking about him? I'll go first. Alright. So, for Zhang, I'm, I'm kind of surprised it was Jared Green, but kind of not. Like, I, I had kind of figured he'd be capable of something like this. I'm I'm really astounded at his range, because he's, um... Oh, God, he's purple hair guy in My Hero Academia Season 2. Hitoshi. Hitoshi, thank you. Not great. <laughs> oh, God. The other purple-haired one. We don't need to discuss him. No, nope. every the, show needs the, the, punchy the bag. ultimate the ultimate base breaker, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like you go to T you go to TV Trips base breaker page. It's just a picture of him. <laughs> oh. okay. I'm sorry, Brina. I'm sorry if you're watching this. Well, it's not her fault. No, no, I know. It's just that you know you you, you tend to associate the character with the actress after a while. Yeah. So speaking of actors, Jared Green. But go. yeah, I um, I really like sort of the the slime and grime Jared Green can pull off as young. And as for uh, as for Reiko and Munakata, like both Anastasia Munoz and David Wald have a real professional undertone to their voice, which I really appreciate because mm. they're both sort of they've been around the block a couple times. <laughs> like more than a couple times, they 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 know what they're doing. They're 
they've done this shit a few times. Like they're, I mean, I, they're I no expect them like to wet work <laughs> or love. They know the rules, and so do I. Uh, <laughs> wow. Honestly, those two are interchangeable if you think about it. Mm, yeah. And I, I really like that uh, how Dallas Reed played Shinohara as like the little shit. <laughs> like every show needs one of them. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we've got more. We've got yeah. that in spades here. <laughs> I, I we'll probably have some dis dissension actually when we get to one of the other little shits. Ah. But um, I I really like how Weasley the character is. Like staging staging a car accident with bombs. Who would think to do that? Someone who's very good at their job. Yep. Apparently not, because the cops found out about it immediately. <laughs> well, that was the point, wasn't it? Wasn't it that it was supposed to be, uh, like, oh, yeah. obvious? The thing? It, uh, yeah, you're right. It it could be sloppy because they paid off the cops. That's right. But I really uh, like I really liked the four antagonists of the first start. Shame mm -hmm. that nine, none of them can really show up anymore because, you know, they're all dead. Well, no, Everyone is no, dead, no. Dave. Well, no, not everyone. Mako's been straight for. She, oh yeah, that's right. She uh, changed jobs. Like, spoilers, everyone. N never, never kill the girl. All right. Um, Unless it's like Devil Man Crybaby. Oh. Sorry. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So, uh, who wants to go next? Uh, I'm sorry, did I depress everybody with that Devil May Cry Baby reference? I uh, haven't no. watched it, so you you could depress me if you tried. Okay. So. Yeah, I, it would be depressing if I actually had any context. <laughs> I need to watch more. I mean, I need to watch more Gona Guy stuff in general. Actually, the only well, stuff I've seen is like one of the Cutie Honey OVAs. Well, Cutie Honey Universe is coming out. Super stoked for that. Like, so. I, I, I like want to watch some, episode some of the nine. Is gonna stuff. punch you in the teeth. Well. Hopefully, I'll tell you. Let, I'll it, talk about well, the character of this show then, so I don't have any teeth right. left. How about that? It what? Hey, Roots, would it punch me the heart just like that one body guard punched Rico in the heart? <laughs> he he does that solar plexus punch a couple of times. Kalima. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I don't quite remember Shinohara. I do think I was actually confusing him for another character on my list. So I do remember a character being a little shit. And I remember it being very well. So if that was Shinohara, then props on you, Dallas. You you used your, like, three lines in the show really well. Quick question. Was he wearing a yellow sweater? I legitimately do not remember. <laughs> okay. I, I think I just wrote... I just wrote down young-looking character, so it probably was him. Yeah. So, um, that, yeah, um, that was probably... That was probably hacker shit. No, no, I, I remember hacker shit. Trust me, oh, he's, okay. very, he's very hard to forget. But we'll get to him later. Okay. Um, as for uh, Jared Green, um, I, I like the fact that he was tough sounding without being too gruff. Like we know we have this archetype when you see the character design of like, okay, a little portlier, a little tougher, like almost like um, eh, we come down and have some calzones kind of mentality to him. But I, I like that he wasn't all gruff. He's like he's tough. But he's got a bit more uh, levity to his voice, and that, that made his character distinct from other similar characters from other shows. And yeah, he plays being uh, um, 
a believable boss pretty well because he, uh, Lin interacts with him and gets really pissed off that he's not being taken as seriously or he doesn't get his money from him. Um, it's a believable kind of, you'll never be a real assassin. You're just someone who kills people and gets paid for it. So I, I, guess I kind of miss the fact that he won't be around in our episodes because I kind of enjoyed the antagonistic uh, banter that he had with Lin. Uh, and Reiko and Monokata are, you know, they're okay. They're not, they don't have as much personality, but Reiko, though, uh, Anastasia's uh, interaction with uh, Yusuke uh, later on when they're uh, taking care of his dirty deeds, I really like that she's, uh, she's laser-focused and she's got, like, this quick speech pattern that, yeah, does demonstrate in the few lines she has that she's a professional, she's done this before, and she doesn't take any crap from anyone. So, um, yeah, a good casting on those guys. Um, yeah, for all this show where all the characters don't always get as much screen time because there's a billion characters to share the screen time with, uh, these guys all filled out their roles pretty well. David Wald, also pretty good. He's serious. He's got a slight grumble to his voice. It sounded uh, different enough from some of the other older characters that, honestly, um, I kind of wish that we had seen a, we, we get a little bit more of these guys. But, you know, for what they did, they done did good. Uh, Jamal, do yep. you uh, have... Yeah. Uh, like, we've had nothing but good things to say, so obviously you've got some dissenting words to say? Vlog. Of course. Take shots. <laughs> uh, start off with Reiko. I think Anastasia Budios did a pretty great job. I, mean, I, I love hearing her voice in these situations. I think her. I think the way she portrayed it was like a toned-out Coco from Yorbegai. Like, if Coco wasn't so excited, was more serious with her job. She was very stern and very demanding, and I really like that. That is really Shinohara's. I think that is where he only gets to use his lower tones when he's being snarky, or in this case, being a little shit. Mm -hmm. But it, it kind of played out very well, especially with Mudakata, to which David Ward's range knows no boundaries. Like... <laughs> He can, he can take any level of character he wants. I mean, hell, he could play a woman if he wanted to. Well, I mean, you look you look at the the list of um you look at the list of characters that he's played that I was given right here, and they're all completely different from one another. Yeah. So. <laughs> David Wall played a woman. Now, now I just want to see like a redub of Lucky Star, where all the girls are played by David Wall. Hey, hey, you never know. He might. He's probably going to end up playing one of the girls in Pop Team Epic. So. Oh sh! Oh sh! He did? Oh, no! Yeah, he did. But now, now that I now that I say that, you know what I just thought of? Huh? Have you seen the disastrous life of Psyche K? Mm mm. He not only plays the character, he plays the character's mom. <laughs> <laughs> awesome! Nice. I just remembered that. Awesome. So he has played a woman. I'm going to assume Psyche K is not a serious kind of show? No, no it, it's a it, comedy. No. It, yeah, it kind of makes fun of the tropes it's playing off of. Okay, because with that color palette from just the promotional work I've seen, I, I would hope it's a comedy. Yeah, you should check it out when you get a chance. Anyway, back to David Ward. I think he did a pretty good job being a stern old man. Especially when he got frightened a little bit just before he died. Because if you see this backstory, you'll understand why. And then Shay, Shay and the voice kind of reminded me a bit of the Kingpin from the Marvel comics. Mm. From, uh, yeah, from, right. from the yeah, from the nineties 
Spider Man. Oh, the '90s Spider Man. Okay, I see what you're saying. All right. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah that uh, kind of does sound so. I wonder if that was an inspiration. It now that you mentioned it, I did also get some Vincent D'Onofrio vibes. Oh yeah, that's right. He was the kingpin, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, I don't remember him for that order, but yeah. So I thought Jared Green did a pretty good job. He manages to make it sound really threatening. Like it's kind of a little hard to put it worse, but he did a pretty good job. Let's just leave it. I mean, it's interesting because he's one of the few characters that doesn't actively kill anyone in the show. No, he just orders other people to kill. He just orders everyone else to kill. <laughs> yeah. And then next thing you know, <laughs> off with his head! It's, it's the it's the Jolly Charlie uh, like uh, effect. I didn't kill anybody. I just told other people to kill people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, why are we laughing at murder? Yeah. We're sorry, God. <laughs> We're sorry. Oh, Charles Manson's dead now. We can laugh at it. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let me let me talk about Coming my from thoughts. California, that is yeah. that is a great joke. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you guys said. I mean, the fact that I got Munakata right tells you that instantly I was already sold on David Wald as Munakata. Uh, right, uh, Anastasia Monroe. Uh, Munoz. Munoz. Sorry, Anastasia Munoz. Uh, she was very good. I really liked her very official kind of sound for the character. Uh, Shinohara, Dallas Reed, he's a good actor. He made Asta bearable. So, you know, like, no <laughs> complaints there. Uh, and Jared Green as Zhang, uh, really good. Yeah, he was, he was actually a very imposing force, uh, for the dub. And I was actually, like, even though he wasn't, like, a super memorable villain, like, you did get the... He, the authority of his character did come across. So, that yeah, that was all really good. Especially David Wald as Munakata. Because, like, when you got more into Munakata's backstory and you started to see kind of, like, where he comes from, it was it was all really great. So That's one thing the show seems to want to do is, like, obviously a lot of the characters are going to be murderers for hire, right. but they try to have a variety of different kinds of people right. who are murderers for hire. Nobody's yeah. totally good and nobody's totally bad. So, right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are some people who oh, are totally well, bad. Yeah. The, well, oh, we, no, we can make some arguments there. No. Uh, no, no, not for one of the characters that's coming up a little later. So. Oh, oh, that guy. Yes, yes. Shit. Fuck that guy with a rusty pitchfork. So I kind of take back what I just said. But anyway, shall we move on to the Avengers? <laughs> Avengers, oh. assemble! Don't, the Avengers. Oh, we can't, we I, can't say that. We have to pay royalties to Marvel every yeah. time we say it. Disney. Ah, no, we have to pay royalties to Disney now. Oh, that's even worse. Oh, yeah. I didn't think of that. And I made a Kingpin reference. Yeah. I mean, I mean, let's be honest here, though. The, the term Avengers is so nebulous that you yeah. can't copyright it. There's yeah. a British TV show about spies called The Avengers. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it's been kind of around as long as the And comic. honestly, I think that's what the group calls themselves anyway. Yeah, no, well... It is. That, yeah. that is their term. Uh, okay, so in the group, we've got Jose Martinez, the muscle. We've got Misaki, Jiro's daughter, and Jiro... Uh, Tanaka, who is the hairdresser turned wet worker. Yes, that's written here. Well, 
I mean, as you do, you know, when you make a career change, that's a pretty lateral move to make. Yeah. I wonder how he got into the business. Like, did he accidentally kill somebody with a cutter guy? Or... No, no, no. See, what happened was uh, he had a wife, and then he was sent away on false charges, and then he came back with black and white hair, no. and then he killed people with a razor blade with the voice of Johnny Depp. <laughs> no, if, Johnny if, Depp doing a no, British accent. No, if you, ever, if you ever get a chance to watch A Thousand Ways to Die, there was actually somebody that actually killed themselves with a curly guy at once. You. I mean, yeah. I believe it. That thing is hot. Yeah, I mean, that could easily be Yeah, but he was on Quaaludes. It was the 70s. <laughs> I see. Well, of course it was. I mean, I haven't read the manga yet. I, uh, have any of you guys read more of the source material than just the show that's aired so far? No. Like, I don't most think of the you can. Like, I don't think it's it's licensed yet. Okay, but I was asking, like, illegally. But no, we don't do that here. <clears throat> but Toto. Do and, and plus, like, most of the anime I've watched for this show, I've never seen the source material before. Yeah. Okay. So so we do not know, as of this recording, what how he went from hairdresser to murderer, no, Avenger for hire. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. So. They don't have, no, like, uh, a gangsta kind of prequel kind of thing. So, <laughs> so anyways, uh, yeah. do we have English actors who uh, who voice these people? Yes, we do. Do we have predictions in this group? <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, am I the only one? Oh, no, I, I mean, do, too. I, 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 do, oh, okay. I do, too, but I gotta go last, so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, uh, Roots, why don't you go, because no one went first last time. Okay, um, so for Jiro, I had J. Michael Tatum. Okay. Because he, like, he's the kind of guy who can Why? the no. generous uh. dad figure, while also kind of the secret rough edge. And um, Martinez, I had Randy Ag Aquabor from, uh, yeah. from Junie Tyson. Because I, I really liked his voice from that show, and I really wanted to see him get more roles and more shows. And for Misaki, I had Sarah Wiedenhaft. Because <laughs> she plays the, the little girl character pretty well. That would be a real... Con like, uh, speaking of another blonde-haired anime character she played, that would be a real contrast to uh, her role in Allison Zoroku. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just comparing the two, and I'm like, dang, she escalated fast. What did I tell you about killing people? I don't like crooked stuff. <laughs> oh, okay, um, I'll, I guess I'll go next. Yeah, um, Jamal, uh, do, you, do you have any predictions? Uh, just some joke, joke ones. Alright, so we'll, we'll do you next. Go ahead, Noah. Okay, um, uh, Jose, um, I thought of, um, speaking of Allison Zoroku, I guess John Swayze, because uh, he, he's got that tough guy demeanor to him, and I know Jose is a little more, like, he's got more sensitivity to him than just being the muscle, like, the first time we see him, he's actually reading a book, but I, I still thought John's voice would, uh, match the character design. Um, Misaki, I had Tia Ballard. Um, I don't think I had any particular role of hers in mind for it. I just thought, okay, I need a you know a lolly voice, and uh, Tia's voice is pleasant, so I'd like to have her there. 
Um, now as for uh, Jiro, this one's a little cliche, I guess, but the first time we see him, he's... Uh, I thought he was a bartender at first, because we see him in a bar uh, getting an assignment from one of the characters who asking for his services. So I instantly thought of who's, like, the most popular, or, like, the most well-known bartender character from anime in the past couple of years. And that, of course, was Alex Organ's role in Death Parade. Hmm. So that's where I went with that. Uh, don't think Dexum and uh, Jiro have entirely too much in common, but they're both bartenders, so that's why I went with that. There you go. All right, so, Jamal, you want to give yours? <laughs> yeah, Jiro, since he's a hairdresser, probably someone who could sound who could sound a little stylish, you know, a little fabulous. <laughs> uh, Misaki, somewhat youthful, who could pull off little girl easily. Jose, I don't dare Joe because he looked like he could beat me with an inch into an inch of my life. <laughs> you are a smart man. Okay, excellent. All right. Well, um, from my from my uh, uh, predictions for Jose Martinez, I had Rico Fajardo. I know that's not a great prediction, but. I guess I kind of could see him sort of deepening his voice to kind of work for the character. I mean, considering Garo vanishing line, I could definitely see that. Yeah. Um, for Misaki, I had Alexis Tipton. Big shocker there, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like, kind of obvious choice. And for Jiro, I had Ian Sinclair. Hmm. Yeah, that would fit. Yep. <laughs> because... Nobody can sound fabulous like Ian Sinclair. So. Well, he was <laughs> fabulous in Kamisaba Kiss. Yeah. This is... We're all murderers, so let's dance, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in actuality, the actors are for Jose Martinez. We've got Marcus Stemek, uh, who is Ryuma Terasuka in Assassination Classroom. Jaswant in the heroic legend of Arslan, uh, Ryuchi Kaza Kazama in uh, Dragon in Ping Pong the Animation, and Saito in Ghost in the Shell Arise. For Misaki, we have Amber Lee Connors, uh, who is Baccarat in One Piece Film Gold, Nozomi Kami uh, Kaminashi in Kaijo, Kaijo, uh, Kaijo. Sorry, yeah. No, there's 12 exclamation points. You gotta say, yeah. Keijo! 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 Yeah. Remember, the, the, more ex the more exclamation points after an anime, the more lesbian it is. <laughs> so, That's not wrong. No, well, wait, what about Citrus? Though? Yeah, Citrus has no exclamation points. Huh. I mean, <laughs> exception to prove the rule. Uh, maybe they're like silent exclamation points? No, you get exclamation you points when you watch it. I don't remember it, it being Magical Night. Wrath! <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody hooks up with a with an opposite gender person in that show. It's not really lesbian. Okay, fair enough. I mean, so. we're all equal opportunists at heart, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, to Tomomi uh, Saikyo in Ladies vs. Butlers and Lilith Kishimoto in Holy Night. Uh, for Jiro Ta Tanaka, we've got Eric Ro uh, Eric Roberts. Aaron Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, wouldn't that have been great? I'm a, a hairdresser. A talking cat? 
A talking cat? <laughs> like that is the best title for a movie ever. <laughs> the ex the exclamation point question mark exclamation point is what makes it. Uh, who played Cody Balfour in Gangsta, Sonny in Toriko, Howard Link in D. Gray Man Hollow, and Ure God these names. Ure Sogami in Dance with Devils. You're I lack, you're doing way better than I am at pronouncing Japanese names. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't even think I was Japanese. <laughs> I'm kind of ashamed that I steamroll him, but I steamroll him. At least you didn't mispronounce Keiji Tang's name in Keiji the Anohana episode. Yeah. Oof. Kaji Tang! No. What, did somebody <laughs> pronounce it Kaiju? I, I did, I think. I don't remember. I just remember that I, I went all the effort to make sure I pronounced Xanthi Wynn's name right, that I got a couple of the other ones wrong by accident. I mean, I, called, I called Aaron Roberts Eric Roberts, so... I mean, <laughs> yeah, there we go. But well, now it, that gives his that gives Juro's character a whole lot more depth. Yeah. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, like the last episode I recorded, I almost called David Wald Dilf Wald. <laughs> Damn you, Gigi! <laughs> you don't know how many times I had to stop myself. I, I hope he hears that and he changes his Twitter <laughs> handle to Dilf Wald. No. <laughs> Do it for Jamal. <laughs> That's going to be in the description too. Dilf Wald in quotation marks for Jamal. <laughs> Make it so, editor. <laughs> anyway, so, my big mouth. All right, who wants to talk about these actors? So let's let Jamal go first. I don't think he's gotten to go first. Okay, yet. yeah, no, go ahead, Jamal. Uh, yeah, we collect my thoughts. Yeah, no. So a little emotionally exhausted there, huh? So uh, Marcus Stimic, I here's the thing about Marcus Stimic, his voice is so distinctive that it's kind of hard to pin down a role for him. So when I heard him as Jose, it sounded real good. Like it sounded menacing pretty easily because, like you say, he's Tarasca in Assassination Classroom, and Tarasca is a bit of an asshole, but damn, <laughs> but damn, he can be threatening where he wants to be. Like he really gets it that pack. Jiro, I guess maybe because of the first episode, I didn't really catch on to it. But I I, I enjoyed Aaron Roberts as the hairdresser turned bartender who works as an adventure on the side. I'll be honest, so with uh, Misaki, I thought I thought it was just some girl. I thought it was just some girl that. Came with a mom and dad or something just sits down at the bar. I ain't know which Jiro started. But Apathy Connors is a precious cinnamon roll who just plays a precious cinnamon roll who's a little snarky at times, so she's a sin a mid roll. <laughs> like, well, that, that could mean something else, but you know. Not, not in the way you're thinking of, but yeah. You know, for a little six year old, for a precocious six year old, she does the job very well. It's like. I mean, it's kind of a hit girl, big daddy kind of thing. So. It is. Thank you for reminding me of that. Yeah. Yeah. But down to the point that she's actually like she actually creates a website for their group. Only only I could come onto an anime podcast and make references to American comics. So. Well, we've I already mean, got a we've already got a kingpin reference so far. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the last time I've seen uh, a precocious young girl. And an anime, 
I can't say because that's a spoiler for Noah. So when he sees it in a couple weeks from now, he'll understand what I mean. Mm. But yeah, Amber did a pretty good job. I don't hear this kind of character often. I I love. I want to hear more of Misaki. To be honest, like I I enjoyed the other two, but I, I really want to hear more of Misaki being snarky. Is that because uh, not only because she's adorable, but also because she's one of only two female characters in the entire cast yeah. so far? One of two living female characters in the entire cast. Yeah, I guess. I I, I guess. Yeah. All right. I guess I'll go next. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Mm, I'm still having a hard time believing it's Amber Lee Connors playing Misaki. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Like you said, Joel, I don't usually hear her in this kind of role. I mean, we. I don't know. I, I think she's episode. played characters like this on the internet, but I don't think she's ever been in the dub where she played a character like this. That's a good point. Yeah, there's not a because ANN doesn't track internet roles, right? Yeah. But especially contrasted with uh, another show that I don't know if that episode is going to come out before or after this one, but I like, really hope so. The diamet she plays the diametric opposite character in another show that's airing that Funimation is dubbing this season. So and it's impressive, and she's precocious too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but she's not so innocent in that one. But in in this one, she's. She's got, like, this very cutesy voice that just screams, do not trust me. Like, <laughs> don't, don't trust her. Like, she, she's going to drag you into a back alley. It's not going to end. You're going to wake up in a bucket of ice with a missing kidney. Don't follow her. And that, that's good. That's, like, the kind of voice that you need to come from this character. It's you, like, know, you know that they think about it. You know who she reminds me of, Noah? That one unnecessary character from Kido's journey. You the, know what? Yeah, From T. the original? or from, no, Oh, from, T. Yeah. Um, yeah, she kind of, uh, I don't know about acting-wise, actually, because she's got a bit, she's got more, like, she speaks a little bit more, and she's got a bit more heft to her voice, I guess, than uh, Monica's T does. But... I know, but it's that she's, she's there, but she doesn't really do much, but she kind of looks a little deceitful when you least expect it. Do you but... honestly, do, I'm sorry, but do you expect her to actually start wielding a knife and killing people? It's I mean... better than having head grenades. <laughs> I mean, Good considering point. the show, I would not be surprised. Like, she just, at the end of the show, she turns out to be the, the final boss who just kills everyone. And then you just look at her, and you'd be like, oh, she's too precious, I can't kill her. <laughs> it's either that, or it's gonna, it's gonna do the panty and stocking thing, where she just pulls out a katana, slashes everyone, says, oh, by the way, I'm a demon. <laughs> the end! <laughs> Sounds like Tanya the Evil to me, but... Anyways, Amber Lee uh, did a good job. I do agree that it'd be nice to hear some more of her, but she's got more, uh, like, it's not the traditional uh, lowly voice to her. Like, it's it's distinct enough. There's more heft to it than I'm used to from, like, uh, Moe voices like Lucy Christian that I'm used to. So I'm glad that she got to, she gets to voice this character. Uh, Marcus Stemmicks is uh, Jose. Uh, it's not as memorable, I don't think. Like, you said well, that... He's not in the show much. So. But no, I don't mean just that, but I mean, uh, you said that Marcus's voice is distinct, is, like, very distinct. I didn't really think it was that much. Like, I didn't recognize him when I first heard him. This is this is going to be one of the instances where I think a lot of the voice actors sound very similar to each other. And this is an instance where, like, he's obviously not from Japan. I think he's from, I forget which country he's supposed to be from, but I would have enjoyed, I would have appreciated some, some vocal flair to, to indicate that. 
having everyone speak in an American accent in the show just kind of robs it of what I think was supposed to be more, more uh, a wider range of variety in the cast. Yeah, see, see, the problem with that is because his name, it would indicate he'd need to have a Spanish accent. And right. per Gigi's rule of thumb, if one character has an accent, everybody has to have an accent. Even the main character. Yes. Yeah, and, I, and we'd run into some problems with certain characters considering their ethnicity that I've already gone to extreme detail on with the Garo Vanishing Line episode. Yeah, although with that one, I kind of had an opposite problem with what you had. So I guess I'm not saying that it would have been easy. It definitely would have been difficult, and there would have been the potential to screw it up. Like, uh, they could have gone full Hitalia, but, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where I say, like, if I was directing this, I might have maybe made an effort to have, uh, like, a little more vocal flair in there. But uh, that's nothing against Marcus's as an actor, because he doesn't do anything, like, very wrong. In fact, I really like the way he... Uh, I think the last line we hear from him so far is where he says, my turn, when they're about to really fuck up some of the guys that they're about to kill. Yeah. And that was that was delivered very well. That was like, okay, now I like this character. Too bad we don't hear from him again so far. <laughs> as, as for Jiro, uh, again, this is another one where, honestly, I kind of get this character confused with another character we'll talk about in a bit, because they're, they're both... Um, like, they're tenor-voiced, brown-haired, good-natured, paternal-voiced actors that aren't given a lot of uh, acting tics that would distinguish their personality exactly. Like, everything you get from the character is from the dialogue. It's not so much from the way that they're told to act. So Aaron Roberts does it all very well. Um, like, I, I get the empathy he has for his clients when they come to him and, you know, he, he legitimately wants to help them out. Um, it, it's just not as standout-ish as I think some of the other actors are. Alright. Uh, I gotta be honest, I've blanked. Is everybody gone? Uh, Roots. not yet. Yeah. Okay, Roots, okay, you ain't gone yet. R say right. me, Roots. I, I just badmouth everybody. Please say <laughs> something nice. So, I, I largely agree across the board that all three of the performances were pretty good. But, like, there is one scene in particular that I kind of want to highlight, because it's probably one of my favorites of the show. And I, I think Jamal even kind of brought it up in passing. Like, it's the scene where uh, Misaki is setting up Martina as an account on this website for uh, for wet work. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> where, you know, she's just talking like, oh, she and she's basically writing him this cover letter. Yeah. <laughs> of the of the uh, of the nefarious things that Martinez is capable of, and then Jiro snaps back. Don't make my daughter say anything nasty. <laughs> like that is my favorite scene in the entire show because it just shows the family dynamic of this group. <laughs> oh, I'll let my daughter uh, uh, be witness to the murdering and the avenging and the torture going on. But God forbid we let her speak, speak any bad language. <laughs> How is she not scared? If you grow up in that environment, then it just is normal to you, I guess. Probably. Yeah. Like, I, I really like Misaki's sort of innocent but totally not demeanor. <laughs> uh, I like, like... I like Jiro yeah. kind of halfways the family man and the capable of doing heinous things for money. And that's probably why 
that's probably why Masaki is so um, like so keen to help them out because they they indicate that like uh, business for torturing has been kind of slow lately, so they need all the jobs they can get. Yeah, and you know Martinez's role in the show is basically muscle, but Marcus Stemic is capable of doing that to a T. So yeah. I am ready to pass it on to what. Alright, well, um, all across the board I think they were fine. Uh, I don't really remember Jose that well when he spoke. I mean, I, I remember him being there, but I don't remember hearing him a lot. Uh, Misaki, yeah, Amberly Connors, it was really surprising to hear her talk that way. But like I said, I feel like I've heard her play little girls on, like, internet videos and stuff like that. I mean, not so much in anime dubs, but I, I do feel like I, I have seen her... I have heard her as a little girl in something, but I can't remember what it was. Uh, for Jiro, Jiro was very good, I thought. Uh, I really liked Aaron Ro Roberts in the role. Uh, he had a lot of personality, and it was it was fun to see him kind of... I mean, none of the characters are really too uptight. I mean, it's actually kind of scary how normal all the characters are in some capacity. But it was nice to see somebody who was a little more foppish, you know... <laughs> I mean, I guess a little more, like, flamboyant than the other characters. So yeah. he kind of did stand out, and I think Aaron Roberts did a great job with that. I, I think he gave him a lot of personality. So I really appreciated that. So, yeah. So when are they going to get their own multi-billion dollar movie franchise? I know, right? <laughs> I'd appreciate at least, like, an anime spinoff with just them. When, Di yeah. when Disney buys the animation company. Probably. <laughs> When Disney buys anime, yeah, Disney, <laughs> yeah <totally>. oh, <laughs> you wake, you wake, you wake up, you go to like Crunchyroll or Anime News Network, you you see the headline: Disney bought anime. Yeah, <laughs> it's just gonna be the the president like, and we just spent eight hundred billion dollars, every cent the company has, to buy in its entirety anime. <laughs> every and no, every anime, anime every manga ever made is owned by <laughs> yeah, us now. Exactly. Bow do to it. your new animated overlords! <laughs> oh, my God. oh, I feel like I'm watching Pop Team Epic. This is World War II, huh? <laughs> we, we joke, we joke, but in like 50 years from now, that could actually happen. Yeah. We could, we'll, we'll be looking it. back at this from our nursing homes and just like, my God, we had it so good before Tokonatsu sold out to Disney. I'm glad we recorded that. Yeah, they'll buy they'll buy anime. Next thing you know, they'll ruin it like they did Power Rangers. No. Well, that was Saban. That wasn't Disney directly. No. No, they Disney had it for a little while, and it kind of it kind of took a dip in quality under them. It took a dip after 2005. Let's put it that way. <laughs> after 2005. Uh, Power Rangers is the one with the the talking robot dinosaurs, that's, right? It's a it's Master Rider, right? No, no, no. That's that. No, that's the uh, the one with the mutated turtles. Okay, all right. Y'all need to get on Netflix more often. It's, they have all the seasons. Let's anyway, <laughs> anyway, Beetleborgs. Anyway, uh, so let's talk about a couple pieces of shit. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of Disney. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the mayor and his psycho son. Sorry, son. Uh, you, you, Yusuke, uh, Yusuke Harada, and Sh Shotaro Harada. So, who had uh, predictions for these two? Mm -hmm. I had one. 
Yeah, apparently I had one too. I thought I All had right. predictions for both of them, but I, it looks like I only had one. Like you thought that the same person would voice both of them, or you just no, I just the kick. Or, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know if you wanted to do like a, a J. Jonah Jameson thing with the same yeah, actor voice, like, where Darren North <laughs> plays both of them. Greg Weisman show where all the parents play their kids and stuff. like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, that was a damn good show. Yeah, no, I mean it was, it was best Spider-Man show. Speaking, of, damn you, Disney for not greenlighting a third season of that. Well, he's he's got Young Justice season three now, so L little victories, little yep. victories. Uh, I guess I'll talk about predictions then. Okay. Okay, um, on these two, for uh, Shotaro, um, I know he doesn't do a whole lot of voice acting, but when he does, it's like a nice surprise. Um, and he's got the voice for this, uh, for Mayor Dad character, so I wanted Justin Cook to step back into the recording booth for this one. Okay. Especially because right. it's not one who gets to talk a whole lot, so I thought, okay, he can afford a little bit of time to voice act a little bit again. I almost thought you were going to say Gen Fukunaga. But... <laughs> has, Gen, has Gen voiced anything? I don't think he ever has, actually. I think he knows to stay out of that. So <laughs> He may have I, done, like, a role in something in the past. Maybe as a joke. Like, probably. maybe he'll show up in Pop Team Epic or something. <laughs> oh, oh my god, god. That, that would, would be the be finale. Really cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll be giving him ideas now. Yeah. Okay, um, and, uh, as for, uh, Yusuke, or, uh, yeah, for Yusuke. Yusuke! Uh, <laughs> that was, um, uh, we had watched really good acting from, um, uh, Ancient Magus Bride, specifically with Cartophilius, played by Josh Greeley, who was also a little piece of shit, so <laughs> I thought that Josh could, uh, bring that, basically just bring that character into Yusuke. Alright. So, there's... Roots, you said you had somebody? Yeah, I didn't have one for Yusuke. Hmm. But, you know, somebody like a... Uh, oh, what's his name? Um, doo -doo -doo. I, I mean, if this was a Bang Zoom Kyle McCarley. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, a, like a David Matranga or... Uh, even like a Clifford Chapin probably would have been my prediction. Okay. Ooh. But for... Uh, for the dad, for, you know, Mayor Harada, I actually had somebody in mind, and that was Jason Douglas. Real? Oh, yeah, okay. I totally get that, because he was the mayor in Cutie Honey. So. Yeah, and, like, he's no stranger to greasy politician characters, so I, I thought it would fit him like a glove. Are there any politician characters who aren't greasy? Actually, the Marin Cutie Honey. He's actually a pretty upstanding guy. <laughs> which which version of Cutie Honey? Uh, new Cutie Honey, the one that ADV dubbed. Oh, okay. Like I the, o the only would... dubbed Cutie Honey, actually. Yeah, that's what I have. I, I have a copy of that. I, I just watched it a really long time ago. Yeah. Wait, no, he wasn't the he wasn't the mayor in Parasite. I think that was Chris Harris. Anyway, it, it still would have fit. It, like his voice would have been really good for the character. Okay. All right, Jamal, you want to give your joke? <laughs> Might as well. Uh, two clogged toilets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Because they're full of shit and they need people to clean up after them, right? Bingo. There you go. Hey. All right. That's well, good. I didn't have a uh, I didn't have a prediction for Yusuke either. 
Um, but for the mayor, or Shotaro, I actually... I looked at the character and I <gasps> thought Mike McFarland. <laughs> just, just because... I like Mark, Mike McFarland's voice, first of all. And I think he's he's got enough experience and... He, you know, being a director so many times, he's got the the basic idea of authority. So I thought maybe he could kind of bring that to kind of a crooked mayor kind of role. But, mm -hmm. you know. I know he tends to still play teens, but I just he's a grown man. So sometimes I think he should play grown man characters. <laughs> so, you know. Hey, hey, if June Foray could still play little girl a uh, little boy voices into her 90s, then Mike McFarley can play any teen he wants. Oh, yeah, no, it's well, fine. Well, I mean, he did play a teen girl in Pop Team Epic. Yeah. Yeah, but every male has played a teen girl in Pop Team Epic at this point. Uh, not every dispute. And now I really want, I really want Gen to be the final, in the final episode yeah, now. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, now I kind of want to Aaron Dismuke and Damon Mills to kind of play the two. And like, I just want Brittany and Amber to show up. But <laughs> well, we'll talk about that when we talk, when we never talk about Pop Team Epic, because we never, ever plan to talk about that. Right, one. no, never. Ever. Right. right. Uh, but as it turns out, the actual actors for Yusuke Harada is Austin Tyndall, who was Ken Kaneki in Tokyo Ghoul, Makoto Sunakawa in My Love Story, Accelerator in A Certain Magical Index, and Scientific Railgun. Speaking of piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Karma Akabane in, Yay, Karma! in Assassination Classroom, and Lunaire in Tales of Zestria the X. For Shitaro Harada, we have... Ian Sinclair. Of course. Yo ho ho ho, Brooke in One Piece. That's the one thing I know about Brooke. Uh, Eiji Kishi or Ox in Juni Taizen. Zap Renfro in Blood Blockade Battlefront. Grossuler in, in ACCA. It's just pronounced Akka. Oh, it is pronounced Akka? Yeah. Okay, alright. <laughs> it, it's like Abba, except with detectives. <laughs> Wait, I want his dad to And finally, of course, of course, Dandy Baby from Space Dandy. Mm-hmm. We're all corrupt politicians. Yeah. So let's uh, do corrupt politicians fall in love, baby. I'm corrupt for the booty. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that, it's not inaccurate. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, yeah, true. So now, now that Yusuke is voiced by Austin Tyndall, we get to add another flavor to the karma train. We finally get to add piece of shit murderer rapist <laughs> karma. Yeah, Austin Tyndall's kind of all over the board when it comes to characters, isn't he? Yeah, but this this one fits definitely. If, if I can just go ahead and jump into it. Yeah, go ahead. He's having way too much fun with this role. Like, his voice dips from high to low. Like, it's high when he's being all... Yeah, I, I, I killed another girl. Uh, can you come help clean it up for me? But then he gets low voice when he's talking about how, um, uh, like, do you really think I give a shit about my dad's career at all? I, I, I'm a privileged child of power. I have impunity from the law. This guy is just having way too much fun voicing this, and I'm really glad that we will not be, hopefully, yeah, probably will not be seeing him for uh, the rest of the show. Still good on you, Austin, for doing a really good job with what was a despicable character. And, um, 
Ian's a little interesting because we get to hear like two lines out of him. One of them is him, the mask is on, where he's pretending to be an upstanding politician and he's like rallying people to vote for him to keep up the good fight. And then the next scene, he's talking about how, yeah, there's some human trafficking going on. Go ahead and give my boy one of those to, you know, sedate his pleasures or whatever. Um, and it's an older voice, and I don't know, it, you guys back me up on this or not, but did it sound like Ian gave him a bit of an accent almost? Maybe a little. Like, ah. it, it didn't sound like the, the regular clear-voiced Ian that we get in, like, all the shows that you just listed. It sounded like he tried to give, like, almost a New York flair to it almost. Yeah, which would make sense, because I, I think with Shang, you kind of got kind of a, a New York gangsta kind of sound to him, too. So... so uh, yeah, so... And, I mean, like, I mean, Hakata actually does kind of feel like a Japanese New York in its own it, way, so... Yeah, that, again, that's why I was kind of hoping for, maybe not accents in this dub, but, like, some kind of dialect to give it flavor to it. Like, just some sort of urban flavor. Right. Like, kids love that urban gangsta flavor, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's what the kids are into. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah, Ian and Austin, um, it's, it's not always easy to make despicable characters likable, and, no, I don't like the characters, but I enjoyed watching them be around, because the actors were having a lot of fun, apparently. Okay. So, yeah. Who wants to go next? So, Mayor Harada, Ian Sinclair, it, I really like the voice. Like, he, he has kind of a scumminess that really doesn't come out in things like, uh, like Akka, where he plays a similar kind of person in authority, but isn't corrupt. And it's, it's really nice to hear him play the other side of politics. And, um... And, you know, Austin Tyndall as his son... Kind of just going around murdering prostitutes and all that. Like, or just kidnapped so, women. That, it wasn't even a prostitute! <laughs> yeah. he, he just yeah, okay, grabbed sorry. women off the street. And, yep. Sorry, let me start over. And Austin Tyndall, like, just... Buying random women off of human traffickers and mm -hmm. just kind of murdering them. Like, that's. He's kind of a creep in the show, and it it comes through really well. Yeah, I mean, this entire show was about not just killing people for the fun of it, but there's an actual sense of poetic justice in it. Like, the people who deserve to die are the ones who do die. So the, the entire yeah. consent that we have to have a character who is, th this is the one character who I think we were talking about before, is like, not at all redeemable. He is the one guy who is all bad from beginning to end. Right. So it's a good thing they didn't try to make him like sympathetic at all or like give him a, oh baby, I just need love kind of voice. Well, you know, that would have been something that probably would have happened if the show had given it an opportunity to. Because I, I mean, could totally, I could totally see a character like that kind of a, a show like this try to give him a sympathetic character arc, and I'm glad it didn't. Just go full like Rep Brown and Death of a of a Soldier, where he just goes crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lovely day. Yeah. It just makes you feel almost like someone raised in the environment of you have impunity from the law, and you're not, you know, you're not going to get caught. So of course you're going to like your most perverse 
thoughts and desires are going to be carried out. Like, I almost feel sorry for someone raised in that kind of environment. Yeah. Well, um, I thought they were both good. Um, we heard more of Austin Tindall than we did Ian Sinclair. And Austin Tindall, like, yeah, I mean, I'm not used to hearing him play a character like this, honestly, but I think that's more just me just not seeing him in a lot. But at the same time, I'm just like, yeah, um, he played the character. Well, I think the best part about it is, is the fact that he played the character as if he was just a normal person. And I think that's what made him infinitely scarier, was the fact that he was totally okay with the things he was doing, and Austin Tindall played it like he wasn't doing anything bad. And I think for a character this much of a psychopath and sociopath, you have to play it that way, where you play the character like you're doing nothing wrong. So instead of playing it like, uh, tell me about the lambs, Clarice. Yeah, exactly. Well, in the case, <laughs> kind of, of, in the case of like someone like uh, you know Hannibal Lecter, Hannibal Lecter is an in- intellectual. You know, y- yes, Yusuke yeah. Hirata is a dumbass. Exactly. So it's he's he's a stupid criminal. He he does shit without thinking. So it's like, yeah, of course, to him, all of this would be totally okay, and he wouldn't have any moral compunction against it. So, and for Shitaro, I, I think it, it was, you know, you, Ian Sinclair kind of played it more, more loose. I, I guess he he played it more that this was just kind of a normal thing where he was almost desensitized to it, which I think is another way you're you really should play it. Because at this point, it, because if you act desensitized to something as horrible as what your son is doing, I think that adds a lot to your character yeah. in the sense in the sense of, oh, wow, this has been going on so long that his dad just deals with it without really stopping to think about how horrible his son is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that's my thoughts. Yeah, so, uh, Ian Sinclair, I find it funny you say that, uh, he sounds like he has a bit of a New York flair to him, and we're talking about a show with him, man, because if I recall, wasn't he Dallas Jedward? I want to say he was. Yes, he was. He is. And he directed the Bacchano dub, so. Well, he was one of. Yeah. Tyler was the main director. Right. But yeah, I did find, I did find that it... I mean, I would say it's Ian Sinclair, but it sounded a little different from what he normally plays, to be honest. Like, I guess because, you know, he's playing an older character, he kind of, like, had to amp up his voice a little bit, but still sounded like a shitbag underneath. Right. And I thought, I thought that worked very well for the character. Austin Tindall, on the other hand, and it's funny you mention Accelerator, because Accelerator times can be a bit of a scumbag, too, although he's a... No, 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 wait, I take that back. He's... They're both sadists, in a way, to be honest. Because I remember f- uh, first hearing Austin as Accelerator, and that uh, motherfucker was fucking nuts. <laughs> yep. Listen to this character, it sounds like a cross between Accelerator and Karma, in a way. That he really, he really breaks out the sadist in this character, because that's what it really is all about. Right. Although, I would not say he's a stupid criminal, because criminals have at least some degree of smarts. He's just stupid. I'm sure we can have a debate about that, about how some criminals have to have some smarts. Okay, what he did is immoral and wrong. Yes, I get that, but 
I mean, why, why, at his age, why do you even want to just kill women? Like, oh, because uh, the way I kind of viewed it was that he, he he views rape and murder the way that the rest of us view squashing insects. He it's so just, it's a yeah, but in a way, he's a sadomasochist, whereas us, whereas people who squash insects, you know. Uh, that's a whole different story time. The point is, Austin well, knows time to bring out the Satanism in this character. And I mean, they do. I was. Uh, it was Lynn who actually makes the the comment at one point. What you can only attack women who are smaller and weaker than you are. Yeah. Is good. Yeah, because he can. He can only. He's he's a pathetic weakling who can only assert his own dominance over those who are already weaker than him. Uh, Austin does a very good job this role. That's. Yes really all you have to say. Well, speaking of hitting, let's move on to Bonva's support. Yay! So we get on to the good guys, right? Uh, I guess. As big rotation guys, guys here. you can probably get. Yeah, they're not, They're. we'll say this, they're not the bad guys. So. <laughs> that's, not, that's like a backhanded insult. Are yeah. they the good guys? Well, they're not the bad guys. <laughs> uh, well, not the bad guys include Shine... Uh, Shigematsu, uh, Banba's detective friend and informant, and Inokita, uh, the information broker and tech support. Now, who had predictions for these? I did. Yeah. Yes. I had one. So, Roots, why don't you go first? Alright, for, for Shigematsu, I had actually confused him with another character, but um, I had written down Mark Stoddard, but it would have worked for either. Because I, I had thought he was the ramen shop owner who didn't, a who doesn't actually have like accredited thing to his, n <clears throat> like an actor. Oh, uh, Genzo. Yet. Yeah, Genzo. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I can see where you get confused on that because yeah, there's a couple of the characters in this that we're not going to talk about mostly because they don't have English voice actors listed for them. Right, mm. Inokita, I had written down as Aaron Dismu because he can kind of do the. Uh, the moral ambiguity that would have been required of... Because, you know, Inokita's not... He's looking out for Bamba, but he doesn't do it in the most straightforward way. Right, I mean, he sells him out. But... <laughs> but, I mean, he's like a chess player, really. Like he, he sees everything going on overhead, so even if he doesn't have to get his own hands dirty, he understands the short and the long-term gains in making decisions. Right. right. All right uh, I didn't have a guess for Shigamatsu. Um... I remembered him showing up, and I don't think he has a whole lot of involvement in the show. Like, he doesn't do any of the direct killing, or... A, like, he's not, like, one of the heavy hitters in terms of, like, memorability. So I didn't have a prediction for him. But I definitely had one for Anakita, because uh, he's very... Uh, he has a whole lot that goes on in the show. And we can talk a little bit about him being a piece of shit in, when we talk about him a little bit more, but I don't think that he's exactly a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> for act. As far as acting goes, though, uh, his voice, I thought, okay, uh, nerdier, higher-pitched sounding voice. Mm, well, I haven't put Damon Mills anywhere on the list yet, so I, I think <laughs> his, na his natural speaking voice, even though I know Damon has the voice of a million characters all rolled into one, but just for his natural speaking voice, I thought that it would fit really well with Anakita's personality. Uh, I don't have a joke prediction for Shigematsu. Enokida, I have, quote, predictions for reasons I'll explain later. 
I had Dave Trosko and Aaron Dismuke. Okay. Oh, okay. I did not have a prediction for Shigematsu because, frankly, I don't remember the character. Um, but uh, Inokita, I predicted Mika Solasad just because Mika's really good at playing like young-sounding smart guys. So I thought it would be a good fit for Inokita. Okay. Like, was there another? Was there another of Micah's roles that like popped into your head as he's done this before? Uh, so we'd be good in this. Not really, but I guess I just, I don't know. It's just in your mental rolodex. It's like Micah Solisad, smart intellectual. Yeah, he he okay. he tends to sound like he he he's good with characters that seem like they're one step ahead of everybody else. Gotcha. So, all right. Well, um, none of us were right. Uh, Dang it. <laughs> Shigematsu is voiced by Ben Phillips, who was Headmaster Rick in uh, Akashic Records of Bastard Magical Instructor. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's For... the title. Yeah. That is a, that is a light, or a, yeah, a light novel title yeah. right there. Light, light no novel where the girls are anything but light. Yeah. <laughs> Light, light novels have the heaviest names. Uh, Fernando in Garo the Animation. Freed Selzin in High School DxD. Dine Woodwonder in Overlord. And Pokotaru in Recovery of an MMO Junkie. Uh, for Inakita, we have Kyle Ignizi, uh, who was Kaoru. Or. Ka yeah, yeah Kaoru. Kaoru Hanasaki in Cheerboys Shunkoyu. In uh, Haikyuu. Hi I almost said Haikyuu. Uh, ha <laughs> Haikyuu. Yeah. Haikyuu Haikyu Hoshin Engi. Uh, Haikyuu uh, Hoshin Engi. Yeah. Uh, Shun Hanamori and Kato! Uh, <laughs> Is it the right answer? <laughs> I don't know anymore. I never finished <laughs> it, so I couldn't tell you. Uh, honestly, no, it was not the right answer. <laughs> Just to spoil the ending, it was the wrong answer all along. So X does get the square then. <laughs> yeah, 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 they do. Uh, rounding it off, uh, Honey and Nambaka and Chika Uchimura in Suridere uh, Children. Suridere Children, thank you, no. Yeah, I, I want to say Sundere Children yeah. too every time I see it, but no, it's like, Suridere. I'm like, no way anime is getting that meta. So. <laughs> All right. So who wants to start off? Why don't you go first, Simlack? You keep waiting for us to go. I, I think you have you should have the honor of talking about these guys first. Okay. Well, uh, unfortunately, I don't really remember. <laughs> she, she gave <laughs> she gave Monster. I do remember in Akita, of course, because he's kind of all over the series for the first four episodes. Uh, he was really good. I really liked just how slimy he sounded in his own way but he still sounded smart. He really delivered each of the lines like he knew what he was talking about, which is very, very important when you're playing an intellect. Uh, even if you're not like a super genius, if you're playing one, you at least need to be able to study how to say these things properly. Like, you know, I mean, like, it, it's one of those things where, you know, if, if you're dubbing Japanese anime, you gotta be ready to study, like, how to pronounce names properly. So, you know, in the in the case of Inakita, I mean, he wasn't speaking, like, big 
technical words or anything like that, but he was speaking in a manner where you believed he knew what he was talking about. Yeah, so. that's a good point to make. The, the, the problem of a lot of actors saying stuff that they don't quite understand. Like, I had a bit of a problem about that in Food Wars, where some of the characters were talking about uh, ingredients that didn't quite sound like they understood what they were talking about. Yeah. I mean, like, you watch House, like, for all of House's problems, the actors did sound like they were actually doctors. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> but Not that we would be able to call them out. Yeah. Um, that's all I really have to say. I really feel bad, but I don't remember Shigematsu. <laughs> it's alright. He, he doesn't have, no. like I said, he doesn't have a huge role in the show. He, he's like a good sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. So, Shigematsu, I actually do kind of remember. If I recall correctly, he's basically the guy who who tells Bamba the, in the first episode that one detective was murdered. Yes. Yeah, that, oh, that's the that first guy. Okay. We see the All two right. of them together. The... They go to the mayor's rally. He he's the one who does not pop the balloon. Yeah. Why did you pop that balloon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Like, yeah. He sounded fine. He was good. So. He sounded pretty insightful and whatnot. Not much to the character, but I did. I do think he's worth at least a little bit of a mention here. Because mm -hmm. he. He brings things to Bamba's attention that end up being important later in the arc. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, Kyle Agnazi, like uh, like Lex said, I really like that he actually sounds like he knows what he's talking about. He's also a bit of a wise guy, which I really appreciate. Because if I recall correctly, his character in Kato was kind of a kind of straight laced and he's very much a, he was a diplomat. Right. Yeah, so he didn't get a whole lot of opportunities to be snarky or quick-witted or anything like that in that show. Right. So it's really refreshing for him to be sort of this not entirely bad, but kind of looking out for himself and at the same time kind of keeping an eye on Bamba as he's off doing his thing. Yeah, he, he actually is... Um, like, if you've gotten to episode 5, you know, he's actually looking out for a couple of different characters. Right. Shigematsu, Ben Phillips did a good job with what little he had to work with. Doesn't get much, I don't think he gets much presence past episode 1. As far as I can remember. Uh, we find out that he, like, helped with the master plan in episode 4. Like, we find out that if it wasn't for him, things probably wouldn't have gone exactly the way that they did. As for Enikida, here's to where the predictions come into play. Because I literally thought it was Dave Trosko doing an Eric Dismuke impression. <laughs> that's a deep cut right there, Jamal. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's a, I just thought it was actually him. To the point, I actually thought it was Dave Trosko on the press release. Like, I, I, thought, it was a, I thought it was pretty good. I'm still... Get, try to get used to Kyle, of course, the main thing I know him for is Nabaka. But, you know, his voices start slowly, slowly starting to become very distinct. Like, to be honest, I even have a hard time trying to picture what Dave's noble speaking voice was, because there was another show I watched where he showed up as a narrator at the end, and I thought they got the guy from Yo No Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Cookie Masterson? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Turns out it was Dave. And I'm getting the same, similar vibe here. Nice kill there, you know, stupid. 
if I mean if Funimation does keep like drawing in new actors, eventually they may actually start getting like obscure voice actors from games from the 2000s. I'm waiting for Let's Players to start playing characters. Like honestly, I mean yeah, uh, we've already we had. Do have Alejandro? Uh, That's true. God damn it! Alejandro Saab. Just His name remember is Alejandro Saab. Just remember the Lady Gaga song. Ale Alejandro, Ale Alejandro. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm gonna mostly agree with all you guys. Although, I am going to uh, disagree about Shimamatsu not quite having as much presence because honestly, Ben Phillips' portrayal of him gave a lot more flair and uh, presence to the character. Then I think some of the even more important characters got because he's got this rasp in his voice, like it's almost a smoker's voice. That like I could close my eyes and I could tell it was his character who was talking. There were some characters who showed up that if the camera wasn't distinctly pointed on them with you know showing their lip flaps moving, I wouldn't have known who was talking. But every time that Ben Phillips spoke, I could instantly tell who it was. He had like seasoned age on his voice that made it really stand out. So even though he doesn't get as much fun parts to perform in the whole show, when he does get to speak, he stands out quite a bit. And I, I really wish that we had uh, more actors who were more standout-ish in terms of I can tell who it is without even watching the show. Incidentally, uh, Kyle's performance as Anokita is... Also one of the ones that I thought was really distinct without having to actually see who was talking. Like, he's got a, the nasally nerd voice, but he's also got this slight slurred pattern to his speech. Like, he doesn't, uh, unlike characters like Reiko who speak in a very laser-focused, didactic voice like this, he speaks a little more like this, where he's, like, you know, not trying to be so formal, it's much more vernacular. And that fits his character really well. It, it's actually more hushed, I think, than some of the other characters, which made him stand out. So, yeah, nothing but good things to say about Kyle in that for a character that could easily be written off as a piece of shit for selling characters out and then saving them and then selling them out again, uh, it's a fun voice to listen to. And I, sp I particularly love, I think his line, uh, he says something like, they rock and we roll. I think... Uh, oh, yeah, I, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. In episode four, yeah. like There's just lots of really good one-liners like that all over the script, but that was one of the ones that really stood out to me. I need to turn that into, like, a bumper sticker or something. Uh, before we move on, I just want to say, I understand your point about Shikamatsu. It's just, this is my Shikamatsu moment, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just didn't really remember you was there, to be honest. So. <laughs> it's a big cast. It's a big-ass cast. It's yeah, easy it's, to forget some people. It's really... Speaking of big-ass cast, uh, Lack, would you like to take us out? Yes. As a matter of fact, we are breaking down to the last three, the final three. Oh, you could say that we're in the final innings? True. <laughs> Very true. Three well, strikes are... to go? Well, one of these characters didn't understand that reference. <laughs> uh, Alright, so we're going to start off with Saito, the bumbling hitman buddy with a mean curveball. Hitman, quote unquote. <laughs> hitman. It's funny because baseball. <laughs> so, um, uh, not even thinking that he was going to be the writer in the show, but definitely thinking he was going to be cast somewhere in this. Aaron Dismuke. Hmm. Uh, Despite being infamous for being a uh, foul-mouthed uh, blooper person all the time, like if you've seen the bloopers for Fuka, which is particularly the show that I was thinking of, because his voice of you 
has the the voice that I thought would fit Saito's character. Um, I mean, you could put a number of nice guy-sounding uh, actors in this role, but Aaron was the one who I thought would be distinct enough that he would stand out from all the other characters in the show. Okay. <laughs> all right, then, Roos, why don't you go? So, a, a lovable dweeb with a heart of gold who's constantly in the wrong place at the wrong time? Gotta be Justin Briner. <laughs> Dang! It's, it's actually oh, funny. Alright, well, I actually had two predictions. Because I wasn't quite sure the route that they wanted to go. Um, for Saito, I predicted either Alejandro Saab or Austin Tyndall. Because I, I figured it was going to be somebody with a really friendly voice. Because he's a pretty unassuming character. Kagi has a really, like, distinctive voice. Like, when you hear Kagi, you know it's him. <laughs> I, I know yeah. him as Kagi. That's how I... I, I so I'm, I'm, like, I'm laughing at, like, I'm, I'm glad that no one calls him Alejandro. They just call him Kagi sometimes. Yeah, well, it's, it's easier than Alejandro. So, yeah. It's fun. It's more fun, too. Yeah. You know, Kaggy Films, Kaggy Master, whatever the heck you want to call him. Um, <laughs> but uh, Austin Tyndall, uh, yeah, same same difference. You know, it's he's got a very friendly voice, so I figured he would kind of fit the character, too. So. All right. Well, none of us were right, because... Uh, How could none of us get this one right? <laughs> because, as it turns out... Um, Shock. Saito is actually played by Stephen Fu, who was Shota Yashiro in King's Game the Animation, uh, Arkid Kid Alter in Knights and Magic, Yasuo Nanbu in Star Blazers 2199, or Space Battle should be motto 2199, uh, Osamu Osanai in, Su God, this name again, Sugimomo, uh, Goto Toshi Toshiro, in Token Rambu Hanamaru Season 2. I I really like that he was kind of... <laughs> that he was sort of... You could tell that he's he was kind of a hitman by accident. Yeah. <laughs> and no pun intended. <laughs> um, I, I really like how Stephen Fu plays him with kind of a gentle touch. Like, he, he never sounds intimidating. And probably my favorite scene with him is in the first episode when he's he's in the guy's house. That, <clears throat> I guess he's trying to kill the guy. And then the Avengers come in and kidnap him instead. Oh, yeah. I, I just love that banter between him and uh, Jiro Misaki. Jiro. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Um... <laughs> and then when he was strapped to the chair, poor guy. And they put a ball Ooh. gag on him, too, and you're yeah. like, oh, this is going to go Pulp Fiction on us, isn't it? Saito is a good boy. <laughs> He's a very good boy. Yeah. He gets the lotion on, or else he gets the hose again. Oh, God. Oh, wow. I'm making a Saito suit. But I, I, I just love that the, the character just... He gets shat on so much, and he just has this warm personality through it all. He, he really, he really has no reason to be there except that he's just good. He's got good aim. Yeah. So and good luck. Yeah. 
Well, That's he's true. Get, he's got by pretty accounts, bad luck, should... too. Well, yes. I mean, by all accounts, uh, there were a couple of times in the show where he should have been dead. Yeah, that's true. Especially when Anthony Bordick tried to off you. I mean, he, you know, he's like Ringo Starr, you know? He gets a little help from his friends. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, so I'm And all barely set. anybody remembers him. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I remember. Oh! Oh, damn. Oh, man. That Don't you be bad-mouthing my Ringo. <laughs> have you have you seen his MS Paint? Steve is. I've learned now he's very good at being the bubbly character because I know best is the lead in the Sisters All You Need. So he he really knows how to channel the to control the banter very easily. Like I want I want to see more of his character going into the later arcs. But I'm just wondering if there'll be much to him later on. I mean. Only time will tell. Do you think he was supposed to be like the surrogate character for the audience, like the average person who learns about this murder criminal underworld as we're understanding you it? Mean too? If, you mean if he's supposed to be the self-insert character? Yes. That one, that one may be kind of debatable. Not just because of the subject of the show, but because there's so much baseball discussion going on. And this is coming from a guy who went to a school that was oriented about baseball. So you, so if I say something about a squeeze play, you know what that means? No, no, no. I mean, it was a baseball-themed school. Like, instead of calling our teachers Mr. and Mrs., we just called them Coach. Huh. Oh, I can see that working. I mean, it, it, it's a sport that encourages camaraderie, so sure. Yeah. And the analogies for it kind of play up differently here, so it works to the character strengths, and I guess in some ways it works to the strength of the writing as well. Uh, that was my theory about the show was that he was supposed to be, like, he was supposed to be the Mikado from Durarara to us for the show. He was supposed to be the one who is more like the average watcher. Like, I I'm assuming that none of us have considered becoming hitmen yet, so <laughs> this is like a little more uh, palatable for us as a character. Or, or maybe it's, he was just supposed to be a character that we enjoy watching get shat on over and over again. Right. But, but in any case, uh, Stevens, uh, I have never actually heard of him before this show. Yeah. So this, this was a good, strong introduction to him as an actor. He's got, uh, whereas some of the other characters seemed like they were going for an East Coast voice, he sounded like he actually had a West Coast naivety to him. Like, someone who'd spent all his time over on, like, the uh, metropolitan California cities and... I don't think that's a bad thing, because it makes him stand out from all the other slightly gruffer characters. Not just in age, but also in his, uh... Okay, this is a bit of a bad term in some circles, but he has a almost sing-song dialect to his speaking, where sometimes you'll have actors who, instead of speaking the words like they understand what they're saying, they like they sing the words like this, and it dips and swells back and forth, and it's it's less acting, and it's more singing it. And he's kind of got that going on, but it sounds more like someone who's kind of like trying to mask his anxiety and his insecurities about this world that he clearly does not belong in. Yeah. By yeah, he's like coping with that anxiety. I yeah. almost thought he was gonna be the kind of character who looks unassuming, and then you find out he's like the craziest, most psycho killer of them all. But that never happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm I think glad at first not. Yeah, I am yeah. too, because that's kind of cliche in anime. At this point, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's nice to have this character who's not is not that crazy. Axe he re murderer. he really is just 
as unassuming as he looks. So like me, right. like Misaki. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Except Misaki can will probably be able to kick my ass in a couple of years. I, I, I do not see, like, unless they want to go this route, uh, I can't see Saito, like, growing up to become the badass mob boss. He, he's not going to become a good fella, is all I'm saying. Yeah. If far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a pitcher. <laughs> he really doesn't even want to be there. <laughs> no, he doesn't. That's kind of my theory about the whole show. Like, what was the theme of the show? It was, like, it's people who are trying to get ahead in life and they don't quite know how to get there. And Saito seemed like the embodiment of that. He's like, he needs to make money to live, because that's just how you live in life. But he doesn't know how to do that, so he's just kind of going with the flow. What I really like is, it's kind of a spoiler alert beyond what we're supposed to be talking about. Like, in, in the art that starts up in episode 5 is basically, mm -hmm. he's a no-call, no no-show for his day job yeah. at Red Rum Inc., which, yes, that is an actual company name in the show. Um, it's a little, it's a little on the nose. So, the uh, the agency puts a hit out on him to, to keep their secrets intact. And I just... Like, that's just... As I was watching the show, like, that is, that is a total Saito art. And I'm kind of curious to see where it goes. Although you gotta admit, like, the, the most adorable thing is when he gets the money for the hit that he didn't actually do. And we exactly. see him go out and enjoy all the best food and all the best boobs. Yeah, that is true. And then he wakes, the <laughs> like he wakes up with a mark. He wakes up with a dead body next to him. Some, gangster, some gangsters him, wake yeah. up with a horse head. He woke up with something else. I'm gonna make Saito an offer he can't refuse. Yeah, I mean, to piggyback off of that, I had never heard Stephen Fu before this. But he sounded really good. He he brought a lot of personality to the role. Um, yeah. I mean, there's not much I can really add that you guys haven't already said, but... I mean, he, he really played the kind of unassuming guy in the situation here. The man who knew too much kind of situation, which was great. And it really worked for the character, so... Do we want to move on to probably the poster child character of the show? Yeah. Yes. All right. So let's let's move on to Ling Jaming or not Ling Lin Jaming, the cross-dressing hitman from a faraway land. Or as anime FMK puts it, Hitman Girl. Hitman Girl. <laughs> hitman Girl. <laughs> I just want to say, before we talk about the character itself, I love the fact that they changed one of the lines, uh, for the first line I think he actually has, because in the sub, uh, when asked why he wears uh, women's clothes, he says, this is a hobby, but in the, the dub, they changed it to, I look good at it! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they actually changed some good. of Lin's dialogue a lot. Because I think, I think Lin says, like, when the guy is like, wow, she looks super hot... I think Lin says, like, in the Japanese, uh, he says something like, uh, idiot, I'm a guy. But in mm -hmm. the dub, he says, I'm out of your league, or something like that. <laughs> oh, it, yeah, it makes him, yeah, It makes him much more uh, more confident, more, uh, um, yeah, com comfortable uh, with who he is. Right. So, um, Roots, why don't you go first in telling us who you think would be Lin? Sure. Um, so... 
I didn't want to go the obvious route of the cross-dressing character, but... You with, didn't! With the, you know, with this kind of grumpy mentality and all that, I kind of wanted to see Josh Greeley in the part. <laughs> oh my Yes, yes <laughs> I, I was so glad. I was hoping at least one person would go that route. Like, I didn't want to do it for Princess Jellyfish, but, like, I like Josh Greeley when he's playing, like, the... The, the grumpy, sort of, constantly pissed off character. Kind of like, uh, kind of like <laughs> Mao in The Devil is a Part-Timer. I'll admit, I was originally going to also say Josh Greeley, but I crossed it out. I crossed it out, um, partly because I wanted to put him somewhere else, actually, which was as, uh, my prediction for Yusuke, but also because a different anime character came to mind while watching this character unfold. And that was... Yurio in Yuri on Ice, which is voiced nice. by Micah Solasad. <laughs> yeah, this like this angry blonde-haired, um, I, not even a piece of shit, like a almost like a, a wet cat who you just want to dry off and cuddle because you know they look so pissed off and you want to make them happy again. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was yeah, Micah. Jamal, do you want to give your joke prediction? It's not actually a joke per se. Oh, okay. I mean, Full disclaimer, I have not watched the sub. Okay. But when I saw Lynn, I saw the character, I saw how the character was dressed, and only one person came to mind. Alexis Tipton. <laughs> wow. You sure that's not I a wa- prediction? I want you to think which one of her characters Lynn reminds you of the most. Okay, let me pull up her... Page list here. I mean, has she ever played a guy? Well, yes, but little boys. But that's different. Yeah, that's like you're you're thinking of an adult character. I'm assuming. Um, you want you want a hit? Well, it might be from a show I haven't seen before. Oh no, you have. Mm, okay, go ahead, give me a hint. Uh, Dad the Lion T the last episode. Oh god, what was her name? What was her name in, uh, uh, prison school? Uh, Lynn looks like a gender bent harder for prison school. Hana, that's it. But that wasn't, that wasn't like the the same voice at all. No, but it was a similar design. I, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you got a good point there. Like, before I even knew it was a guy, I was like, Wow. Yeah, it was funny when I when I looked at Lynn and I looked at like the voice cast. I was like, Yuki Kaji, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> what, what's funny is what's funny is given the character decides if you change it up a bit, Alexis could still pull that off. Yeah, now yeah, she could. But I, I'll admit I like the fact that uh, they didn't give. Uh, uh, the Japanese, at least, they didn't give him a, a, a stereotypical foppish voice. Like, it's very clearly a yeah. male. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, they did that for the English, too, which is good. So, right, right. Um, my, I also had two predictions for Lin, uh, being such a big character. <laughs> my two predictions, first, was Justin Briner. Uh, just because he has a very sweet voice to, I don't know how else you want to describe it. His voice is very friendly, very gentle. You know, when you listen to his Midoriya, you know, it's, it's very nice. 
It's not threatening. You, you reminded me of something I shouldn't have. <laughs> you Sorry. were reminded of Thunderhead, weren't you? No, Pop T. Bepic. Ah. <laughs> and my other prediction, for a very obvious reason, was Howard Wang. <laughs> because he played another crossdresser in Nanbaka. And oh, he that's too right. was also blind. He also has a very kind of gentle sounding voice. But uh, we were all wrong. So, so wrong. Uh, surprisingly wrong. Uh, I honestly did not count I, I honestly did not expect this no. the, speaking of Nambaka yeah speaking of Nambaka <laughs> the actual voice of Lin Jaming is Damon Mills uh, voice what? voice of Prince Xuan in Aka uh, Manaka in Dragon Ball Super oh my god uh, <laughs> Sugiyoshi Sumino the rat in uh, Juni Taizen uh, Jungo in Nanbaka and Takumi Hira in uh, Sukigakirai. Thank you. Let me just say that this was not really at all what I thought they were going to do in the English. Yeah. Like, like I said, the Japanese also had a, a very um, lower voiced man, like a very clearly male voice. I, I honestly didn't think they were going to go that route in English. But they, they did. They and of all the characters all the character actors that they could get, they got the one whose natural speaking voice is like farthest away from that. Right. But it just goes to show Damon Mills is a dark wizard from another dimension because there is nothing <laughs> he cannot do. This one was uh it's full of anger, um, but it's almost a sultry anger. Like every line of it is someone who feels very comfortable being as pretty as they are. While also being very upset because because understandable of the situation that they're in, the having to be a hitman for money and trying to uh, rescue his sister as well, um, it's kind of it really contrasts uh, the uh, the character design, which is what they were obviously going for. But I will admit, I did feel a bit of a disconnect from the acting and the action for the first episode. It kind of felt like yeah. it took Damon uh, at least one episode to get into the acting. Because at first it was like he's just kind of putting on an act of pretending to be uh, angry all the time. But right about the second episode, I started to actually feel the that complexity. This character who's well, gone through a whole lot of shit. Especially when his arc starts to rev up in the first yeah. four episodes. It, it, once he's given a lot more, uh, I guess, a lot more to be upset about. And understandably, he has a lot to be upset about in the last couple episodes. He's uh, He definitely comes into his own there. Yeah. Like, I think I would have enjoyed just um, maybe have uh, held off a little bit on the, the growly, growly persona a little bit in the first couple of episodes and, like, have it gradually build up throughout, uh, up through, like, the grand finale when he gets to go full Kill Bill. Right. But uh, all in all, really, um, a big surprise from Damon and... Um, uh, made the character a lot more fun, maybe even a bit more fun than the Japanese, because like I actually felt for the character a bit more in English than I did in the Japanese. It's really hard to kill in heels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he makes it work. He makes it work. 
Especially when you're off and air this muke. So, I, I really do appreciate the fact that Damon Mills basically has, like, the grumpy wet cat Lynn. <laughs> and then episodes three and four, I, I want to say it was in into three, where they... It's just... He goes into full revenge mode, and it's great. There is a definite dichotomy to his voice. Like, I, I do agree with Noah a little bit that he didn't quite get the... It, did, it felt like the character was still kind of developing in the first episode or two. And, you know, maybe when they go back to redub it for home video, that the, the subtleties can kind of be put back in. Right. Mm -hmm. Now that Damon is more comfortable with the character. Right. And also, they may, they understand the character a bit more. Because like we said, there's always a trouble in simul-dubbing in that you don't fully understand the whole show because right. you're dubbing it as it's coming out. Right. You maybe get the episode you're dubbing as it comes out. Right. From the sound of things, so... Yeah. I mean, that's really a testament to Funimation at all in that they can still churn out dubs with the same quality as their home video releases on such a tight schedule and with limit, more limited resources. Right. From what I read, though, they're starting to get a little burnt out. But... I... Hey. Who's surprised? Yeah. I mean, we're uh, going on, what, four years now? Five years? Yeah. No, no. It's... Oh, yeah. Actually, Three, yeah. Three, if four. anything. Three going on. Three slowly Three going, going on. Four. That's still that's still a long time to be burning out your. Uh, that's a lot of content to be churning out. Yeah. As, as we as you guys said in the um, in the uh, anime fest panel, we are greedy little gremlins. We're spoiled for content. Yeah. Yeah. When am I gonna see that video though? As soon as Lilac gets it edited or gives it to someone else to edit. My thoughts are kind. My feelings are kind of mixed on this because the first couple of episodes, whenever he's easily annoyed, he starts to sound a bit like Jerry Jewel. To which, I got, me and Gigi kind of had a similar thought when she did the Code Realized episode. To which I thought maybe he swapped vocal cords with Jerry Jewel. But yeah, it it started off shaky at first because the first episode was so choppy. Like he's like you said, he hasn't got. He's now starting to get a feel for his character, but when he goes into a veg mode for episode two on, all hell breaks loose. Yeah, <laughs> and he starts to fit right in easily. So, so I am curious where they're gonna go. I mean, it's pretty much just Jill going heels, right? Yes, I, I, I do want to see where he takes it. I, I do want to see where the story takes him, actually. Because now that his motivation for revenge is gone, what's left besides only the next character, few years, uh, five years of spicy pollock rope? Where, where do you go from there? Well, he did make the... He made the comment uh, to... Um, uh, what's his name? Zach Jang? Uh, what was it? Zhang, I think. The guy who plays by Jared Green. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he makes the comment that uh, he he's trying to be more of a professional, and he's being berated for not being professional, so he 
like now he had a goal to work towards to be a better assassin so maybe he can learn to be a better assassin even though he doesn't have to do it for money anymore though i will admit he does scream real well when jank's bodyguard just stabs him with his own knife Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that was an intense brawl yeah very intense so intense, I didn't know he had a gun knife is, was right thigh, I think it was? Uh, there's anyway. a, lot of, a lot of blood. Like, uh, full warning to people, do not watch this with your children. No, no, This show is full not. of blood. Yeah, if you're wondering why the show has some black tint to it, there's a very good reason why. <laughs> like, no, like, seriously, have you, you seen it? The black tint, what? I haven't if you look around the edge of, I have a part of me watching it. Honestly, I, I was expecting it to do something like um, the uh, the broadcast version of Tokyo Ghoul, where they uh, they invert the color palette when there's a lot of blood to hide that, but they really don't. Like sometimes I was I was just expecting beeps or. Well, in any case, it, it definitely earns... It would definitely get an R rating if they were to put it into, like, theaters for whatever reason. Yeah. True. All right, well, um, first things first. It was just really interesting to hear Damon just play a character that's his voice. Because after so long, I've heard Damon play so many different characters, even playing Frieza at this point, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, just hearing him kind of use his own voice for a character was really refreshing and it, it really gave Damon a chance to kind of not have to worry about you know m you know sort of exercising his voice to make an emotion because he could just kind of use his own emotions for this one which is pretty great um I just I, lo I liked his kind of like petulant intensity so for like how it worked for the for the character and yeah i i guess it was a little rough the first couple episodes but once he kind of came into it he really came into it mm -hmm. so yeah no i mean that's pretty much my thoughts so shall we move on to the last character of the night let yeah. us what well, all i will say is that in terms of good writing on this one lynn also gets one of the best lines remember <laughs> The difference between kissing and killing is only two letters. Yeah, that was a good line, actually. Yeah, he did get a lot of benefit from the adaptive script writing, didn't he? He did. Mm -hmm. I, I was wondering, like, there's no way it was like that in the original Japanese, because Japanese isn't English. Right. Right. So I, I don't know what the original line was, but kudos on, uh, on Aaron for uh, the adaptive script writing. For our last character of the night, we have... Zenji Banba, also known as the Niwaka Samurai, a bumbling hit detective and a killer of hitmen. So, who kills the killers. Who kills the killers. So, what predictions do we have, gentlemen? Okay, um, I cast this character before really knowing all about who he was, which he, his, uh, his actual backstory is, like, filled in throughout the first four episodes, so... But even in just that first episode where all I remember about him was he took a balloon and popped it to simulate a gunshot. <laughs> he took a balloon and he popped it? No. <laughs> no, man. That was the only thing about him that I remembered at first. Um, but still, even then, uh, I felt Alejandro Saab could, um, 
uh, fill in the role of uh, making a distinct young, solid voice, like a, a young male voice, because I, I was assuming he was like in his like mid twenties at the most. Like to contrast the older guys that we see. In I the think show. he's actually supposed to be like thirty or something. Is like. it? Well, I re hey. I remember when he f what? Well, well, you can't ever tell from anime designs because everyone looks it, everyone looks either really young or really old. Right, but when Lin, when he first meets Lin, he was like, "So what are you, my long lost son?" Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So that made me think, oh, is he like supposed to be thirties or something like that? But I don't know. Okay, but, but still, his it, it's a tenor voice that would um, would fit with someone who can have some gravel to it. But right. still in the tenor range, which Alejandro, that's his natural voice. Right. Yeah, I, um, for my prediction for Bomba, I kind of wanted to do somebody I haven't really heard as a goofball very much. And <clears throat> that eventually took me to Eric Vale. Oh. oh. You haven't heard him as a goofball? Like, huh. I, I haven't heard a lot of early Funimation dubs, I'll admit. Oh, no, 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 my dear Roots. We need yeah. to show you First Love Monster. That is a goofball no. Eric role. <laughs> ask and you shall receive, my Roots. I didn't no. ask for it. Though arguably, I guess Desert Punk also kind of fits in that. Yeah. Which I have seen oh, definitely. and enjoyed. Well, so, yeah, I forget... Forget Fruits Basket. I consider that his most iconic role. Well, I, I guess I may as well just go next because my prediction actually was Eric Vale too. Oh. <laughs> so I guess I just kind of figured, you know, I could hear Eric's voice coming out of his NG. You know, he, Eric is really good with more laid back kind of roles that, you know, doesn't require like a lot of intensity from him. And I, I just felt like, hey, he hasn't had a starring role in a while. So, you know. Sure. Jamal? Yeah, I got nothing. Okay. Alright. <laughs> well, in actuality... We're waiting for the build-up, just yeah. waiting and waiting. It's like, I got nothing. Cut the tension with a knife. Uh, what is the ending to Lost? Eh, nothing. Yeah. We're just gonna end it. The Sopranos. Cut. Right. <laughs> oh. Uh... Look it up, kids. Uh, Zenji Banba is, in fact, actually voiced by Josh Grayley, who was Yuri Katsuki in Yuri on Ice, Karta Phyllis in The Ancient Ma Magus Bride, Armin Arlet in Attack on Titan, Mal Sadao or Satan, 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 and The Devil is a Part-Timer, and Taikobo in uh, Haikyuu. I, I keep wanting to say Haikyuu. <laughs> Haikyuu Hoshin Engi. Honestly, Haikyuu is a much better show than that. <laughs> I love it. We had to give you one last difficult title to say to finish this off. Yeah, exactly. Could, could, couldn't have made it an easy one. Couldn't have just said Princess Jellyfish. Nope, had to give you the difficult one. <laughs> uh, I guess. Oh, hey, Josh Greeley's in this stuff. <laughs> I mean, to be honest... It's not really anything stand out. It's just he provides great comedic timing, good banter. It's just like is nothing really of significance that that stands out to me. I just I just like his the voice for his character. To which I'll be honest, 
when I saw the key art to his character, and I saw the description, Sun told me, yeah, he's the guy that kills the Hitman. Yeah. Like, you can you can see it on his face as mop top hair. I didn't quite get it until a little bit later, and then I was like, oh, well, duh. Yeah. Like, the moment that Jung hires the Niwaka Samurai, I had a feeling, but that was basically the clincher right there. I mean, it's, it's, it's nothing special. Josh Grady does a good job, as usual. I mean, I, I never really heard him give off a bad performance yet, so... Yeah. That's because none, they don't exist. Josh doesn't give bad performances. Yeah, like, maybe no, in the early know. days, but... Uh, well, yeah, maybe back when he was, you know, voicing cartoons in his basement, but not not professionally. You know, Jamal's not wrong in the fact that Josh's performance is not as standout-ish, um, and that's by design, of course. This character is meant to be unassuming and very aloof. But um, I do think that he stands out as an acting because um, he kind of reminds me, not so much in the pitch, but in the speech delivery... He reminds me of Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop. He has this aloof persona, this cool aloof persona that's used to sort of mask what he's actually thinking. No pun intended. Mask. No pun intended. <laughs> and I, I like that, though. I, I like this almost slurred and more vernacular voice he gives to him. This laid-back, uh, uh, not even chill, but just you know, very normal, laid-back kind of person. Like, the kind of unassuming guy who... You talk to in passing in the office every day, but never actually get to know all that well. Yeah, he's one, again, of, he's one of the more stable characters in the show. So yeah, and he's so unassuming actually that I had I kept mixing him up with Jiro for some reason. Like both Jiro and Banba have like just kind of similar personas that I sometimes got them confused with each other. This wasn't the kind of role that he really had to do too much for, but every line is good. Like it. It does the job well, and it prevents you from, unless you're paying attention pretty closely, figuring out his actual his backstory as the uh, as the Niwaka samurai. Right. I mean, it surprised me. I, I'll admit. You guys said that you caught on to that pretty early on. I didn't really get that until it actually, like, right when I saw the head rolling in, I was like, oh, oh, okay, I get it now. And yeah. by that point, it was like, of course, everyone gets it now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I really like the fact that, like I said, I had basically put Eric Vale in here because he was. I wanted to see the goofball, and that's actually something Josh Greeley does really, really well. But also, sort of being the the older brother, stable kind of personality. Like it's it's Josh Greeley. You at this point you kind of know what you're expecting. Like it, he's, it's he's 28. I just looked it up. Zenji Bamba. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that seems he about could, right. He could have a son. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that you guys said that you wanted Eric Vale to be a goofball in this role because we do actually get a goofball Eric Vale role in this show. Oh, yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, actually. That's right. He's Yamato, the pickpocketer who we see into the end of episode one. Oh, he's a pickpocket? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's like, right. remember, because he, uh, he's like, Lynn goes up to him and says, did you just rub my ass? And then clocks him one good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I didn't, idiot. So. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't even, like, it just. Yeah, but, and then, and then so, Lynn so, yeah, gets we did get... the Avengers called on him, then he calls the Avengers on the other guy. 
Like, uh, fun little in-betweens like that. Yeah, Josh did good. Yeah. Eric did good, too. Everyone did good. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll take it from here. Um, something I genuinely really like is... I mean, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning. The dialogue is very poppy. It's very, you know, keep going and just kind of clever, noirish pulp pulp fiction kind of dialogue, which is really great. And I think Josh and Damon play off of each other really well with that dialogue. Um, they do sound a little alike, which can make it a little bit frustrating. But at the same time, it, it works really well because they've got such distinct personalities You've got Zenji, who's kind of, whatever, man. And then you've got Lin, who's got the biggest chip on his shoulders of any person I've ever seen. Um, and it's it's really great, because for, for, for an actor like Josh Grayley, who he tends to play more unassuming characters and it's nice to see him play a character who's kind of in control of his life as kind of you know off as his life may be he still knows what he needs to do and he he enjoys it he actually enjoys doing what he does so it, it was a nice kind of change of pace for josh i mean he's probably played characters like this before but at the same time it's like it, it works it all works I think what it is, and I can attest to this, because I've seen, met him at a con recently. What he said in a panel was that uh, at times when he does roles like these, like, there are times he does serious roles, we get that. But it gets so taxing that when roles like these pop up often, you know, he just likes to have a little fun with it. Yeah. That's why, like, when he did Attack on Titan, he got excited when he got to do Junior High because it gives him a chance to relax and have a little fun. Right. So, you know. I mean, I know a lot of people will complain, like, it, what you hear is, like, some other shows people don't really like, like, Masamune Kun's Revenge, you know. He's just having fun with the character, you know. And that's a healthy thing to have. It would be sometimes a little possible for some actors to get, I hate using this word, but kind of typecast for the same type of roles, and then they just play that same type over and over and over again. So I'm glad that he's like looking out for a variety of roles to keep from being too pigeon-held into one particular type. I mean, when I heard when I heard Josh Greeley was playing this role, I was like, really? This that doesn't seem like the kind of thing I would peg him for. But as always, he surprises all of us and did really well with the character, with what he had to work with. Uh, now that's the first half of the cast. Um, now we're halfway through this podcast, right, Lack? Right. Yeah, we've got about three more hours to go. Okay, cool. No, um, <laughs> actually, at this point, um, final thoughts, gentlemen? Um, I really like how we've all been saying that the dub is pretty pretty snappy in its dialogue, pretty bantery. Um, I'm really interested to see where the show goes from the first start. I've seen, like, an episode of What's to Come. Like, this is... A show I didn't expect to be as enthralled in as I am. Like, well, yeah. When like the the main arc really started to come into play, I was like, "Oh, this is actually really interesting." Yeah. Like it, it was kind of quaint little fun as I was starting it out, and like I I really want to finish this show now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And I really appreciate how organic the dub feels. Yeah. Especially with its leads. While the content of the show itself is kind of like a little bit on the choppy side. Like I think some people, even our old group, described as a diet bacchino or two blah blah blah. Yeah. There's not a lot you're able to understand the first couple episodes, but if you just give it enough time, like the big picture will start to make sense very soon. And uh, as no one can attest to, I, I do believe the cast is solid and they managed to play their strengths very well to the kind of show this is. And while it may seem like I have some issues with a couple of cast members, you know what I mean, it, it still played out really well. And uh, no pun intended, because I know people are going to be out for blood after a certain thing I said in the Citrus episode. I just want to reiterate, I do not have any problems really with the performances or anything, but as we stated earlier with uh, what Josh, with typecasting, you know, it's just... When you do when you do the certain type of character, you know, it's like you you don't want to end up being pigeonholed. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want people to understand. I have no problems with the performance whatsoever, either in this episode or the other episode or the Citrus episode. I do think the characters do very well for the roles they're given. I would admit some characters are not as well thought out, well developed. But that's the fault of the show itself. Right. right. Yeah. So, you know, they're just going with what they're working with, and it it works very well. That's that's all I really have to say. And that's a high compliment. It's like we've we've been saying throughout this whole episode, this is a hard thing to do to simul dub a new episode every week, multiple episode multiple shows in the season. So yeah. to say that they are not just competent but also good that is a high bar to get. Like, can you possibly imagine content this good and this fast coming out in like the '90s? Well, we didn't. Re- we didn't really have an internet like the way we do then. So. Yeah. No, but yeah, of course. But yeah. like we've learned quite a bit about how to make good English dubs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are. They are. Yeah. Like you said, like they are kind of getting burnt out. But you know, it's, it's like they're just doing the job. Sometimes. The actors end up playing characters that they usually end up playing their typecast, but you know, it doesn't mean it has to be a bad thing. And like I said, I come off harsh at times, but I would admit, I have no, unless otherwise noted, I have no problems with any of the performances here at all. Mm-hmm. I like I like Josh Greeley, I like David Mills. Pretty much everything right down to the core, even some unexpected casting, but. You know that that is a that is a good strength of an ADR director and the scriptwriter. I don't think there's very much more that we didn't already discuss throughout this whole show. It is a very fun and enjoyable watch. And uh, as I like to end off most of these discussions, the question: Should you watch this show in Japanese or English if you haven't started watching it yet? I can say that safely put the side on the English dub on this one. Not just because the acting is good and there's a lot of dialogue to keep up with, so. It's, uh, it kind of benefits to default to the English, but also the script writing on it make it is well worth watching. You get some good effects that you can only get from the English adaptation with the words that we have in our language. That's good enough to recommend on its own. 
and um, I still don't quite know what the theme of the show is. is the only thing that bugs me about it. Like, I like to look for the kind of shows that are... I like look for themes that tie the whole show together. So, not knowing quite what this show is leading towards makes me want to watch it even more. And that's a good thing. That's a testament to that it's stringing us along. It's keeping us entertained. It's giving us just enough new information every week that we're... We want to find out more next week. And all these actors bring their A-game with the material that they have to flesh out the large cast. Not as well developed in the characters, like you said, Jamal, but that's just within the original Japanese itself. I can't imagine a, a more, I suppose, a, a more well-put-together 20-plus character cast dubbed every week on time for us than we've gotten here kudos on you guys especially to Aaron Dismuke I'm gonna remember I'm going to be remembering this when we come around to Dubby's 2018 right. that lack I will pass on the knife pistol to you okay um <laughs> for final thoughts uh I tend to love these kind of anime um I'm a big fan of crime anime and mystery anime and all that sort of stuff so this show really spoke to me when I picked it I I did like submit to be a host i didn't expect stephanie to actually give it to me but you know <laughs> you underestimate us yeah here, here we go i've I, i've done my first dub talk episode where i hosted um uh, but and i'm yeah. i'm glad it was this show because i actually really enjoyed it and i think the dub is really really strong like it's got a lot of people who understand how to dub this type of anime and they did it really well. And even Aaron Dismuke, who's not really new, he's been doing a lot of dubs <laughs> actually for a while, in spite of the fact that we're the same age. But, um... I just kind of look at that career and be like, man, I really should have made better decisions when I was 12 years old. <laughs> I better career decisions. Yeah. Wish I had been in Fruits Basket. No. Uh, <laughs> well, technically you were, Lack. Yeah, that's true. Actually, were. yeah, I, I totally forgot about that. Um, but I was a different character than Aaron, but, you know. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it's, it all came together really nicely. It's, it's a really strong dub for a pretty good show. A pretty surprisingly good show. It, it's a slow burn show, but it, it actually kind of takes off when it does. And, uh, all the characters fit really well. None of the voices felt out of place for me. I even got one right, which I'm amazed I did. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I give it a good recommendation. So, what do you, what do you think is the, uh, like, the theme of the show? Um, that's actually a good question. I could, if you gave like, me... So, so, something it, like Bacchano and Dura Ra Ra, I got the idea that the theme was, uh, companionship and the strength of, like, creating friends and connections. I'm not quite sure if that's the theme in this one, because a lot more people get offed in this show. I, I feel like the theme is almost, like mystery like personas like anonymity kind of thing because you've got you've got lynn who dresses as a girl even though he he doesn't identify as a girl he identifies as a guy you've got uh zenji who is a masked killer of hitmen you know that's you, a good point you've got the mayor who's trying to hide the fact that his son is a psychotic killer of women it's true and actually, we get a character in uh, episode five who is a, a uh, ninja killer too. Right. So I think maybe just masks and personas and pretending is kind of the theme of the show. 
So that's a very good thing. I'm gonna write that into my my uh, master's thesis. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my master's thesis on Hakata Tonkatsu Ramens. Yeah. I'll give you credit. Thank you. All right. Well, I think with that, I think we're gonna wrap up. And uh, I guess this is the part where I plug the legal means to watch the show. Yes, please. All right. It well. Well, if you don't really feel like watching the dub, which is fine, people are allowed to have their opinions, uh, you can go to Crunchyroll, which you can get Crunchyroll Premium for $6.95 a month or $59.95 annually. You can also get a two-week free trial if this is your first time. For Funimation, you can get uh, it $5.99 for a month and 50, or $59.99 annually if you want to listen to the dub. Also has a two-week free trial. Or you can do Verve uh, for $9.99 a month, which also has a one-week free trial. So, I think with that, I think it's time for us all to kind of go our separate ways and... Just do whatever we do. Should we all tell the audience what we all do when we're not doing this podcast? That's a good point. We should do that. Uh, Noah, why don't you go first? Sure thing. Um, You will be able to follow me on the internet, if you are so inclined, over on my Twitter account at at NoahClue. All the time filled with either discussions about the animation world and how... We, uh, we need better appreciation for good Flash animation. Or I will be posting pictures of my children because I have the most adorable children on the planet. And if you have them, you are allowed to boast about it every day of the week. Or if uh, I finally get around to doing something with this, which I have been trying to do, we'll see. I have a YouTube channel, which is Journey Traveler, which uh, is meant to d- be about discussing the whole world of animation, all over the globe, all over the planet, even oh, nice. animation from different planets, if we eventually find them. <laughs> Wish me luck in trying to actually um, produce content for that channel, because I'd actually really like to do something more than um, just rant about it on Twitter. It's so like Secret of the Kells and stuff like that? Oh, you have no idea. I, right. People, go out and watch The Breadwinner, by the way. The yes. newest uh, movie from, newest movie from Cartoon Saloon. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. Go enjoy it. It should have won the Oscars. <laughs> and I assume, like, like uh, those French sci-fi cartoons of, like, the 70s. <laughs> oh, yeah, all over the, uh, the uh, timetables as well. People say that they're like, wasn't any good cartoons being made in the 70s and 80s? And I'm like, bullshit, there wasn't. Yeah. There was plenty of experimental stuff being made, even in America. Like, not just in Europe, but America had some good stuff, too. But Especially stop motion. There was plenty of that uh, from the, um, I'd say if we're talking the 70s and 80s, uh, not just in special effects, but yeah. Um, okay, if I were to recommend something from that time period that was... Um, really good check out hungarian animation from that time period some really good feature length animation stuff it was state sponsored so it's like not very political but it's still very good animated content right yeah i mean i myself have actually been trying to expand outside of japan for animation just to see but uh awesome yeah like talking about real cartoons right yeah <laughs> <laughs> not none of those korean cartoons or anything like that hey voltron is awesome uh, <laughs> don't start that discussion is it anime is it a cartoon I don't know anymore Jamal would you like to plug yourself now uh, yeah if I'm not on a, this podcast I've usually edited this podcast 
I'm also on the YouTube at Jabstar1. I have a blog that's just collected dust at the moment. And I think that's pretty much it. I'm usually cocked out because I'm working seven days a week now, so. Yikes. Yeah, luckily two of my, two of my shifts uh, are nights. <laughs> well, it's, hey, at least you're raking in that sweet, sweet capitalist money, right? <laughs> I work in a restaurant. There's no such thing as capitalism. <laughs> there, There is only a dictatorship, right? Yeah, let's leave politics out of this. I apologize. <clears throat> Speaking of politics, Roots! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Alright, I'm also so going out of steam. You can, uh, you can find me on the Twitter at Roots of Justice, where I mainly just repost cute animal pics, funny meme stuff. <laughs> I also talk about anime also every once in a while. Yeah, what, no, what is the like cutest animal? Give us a really cute animal that we should all look up more gifts of. Red pandas. Ah, yes. But um, I also have a YouTube page and, you know, a blog that I hope to do something with soon. <laughs> I know I keep saying that. But, yeah. Um, how about you, Lack? Where can we find you? <laughs> well, you can find me at Lack the Watcher on Twitter. Um, you can also, I also have a Instagram at, at Lack the Watcher. I don't really use it a lot. I mostly use it to follow other people. Um, but uh, I also actually have been pretty active on my YouTube. You have. I'm actually watching some of those reviews. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, I have a look back with Lack, which is where I look at old school anime. And um, actually, I'm going to try starting this week to do a... Well, it'll probably be a lot later when this episode comes out. But um, while this is recording, I'm working on Go Nagai Month, which is where I'm going to look at a lot of adaptations of Go Nagai stuff, because this is his 50th anniversary with Devilman Crybaby, Kitty Honey Universe, and uh, Mazinger Z Infinity coming out. So I wanted to look at a lot of the older stuff, like the Devilman uh, OVA, and new cutie honey and stuff like that. Nice. So, uh, yeah, you can if you just look for a look back with Lack, you can find all that stuff. They're really quick reviews. They're usually only about five minutes long at most, so they're they're not going to take up much of your time. And uh, I also stream on Sundays from three thirty Eastern to five. Right now, I'm str I'm streaming uh, uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, which is the least Metal Gear Metal Gear game ever. So, uh, but it's a lot of fun, and I'm actually in the camp that I like riding. So, you know. <laughs> I also did Portal, and you can find uh, recordings of the streams. Um, yeah, just look for lack streams or lack plays. <laughs> That's going to be your best bet. And what year did the original uh, Cutie Honey come out, anyway? Was that the 70s? That was the 70s, yeah. Okay. Alright. Uh, you can. Discotech actually owns it. You can actually buy. The original. They do. Yeah, yeah, I've been meaning to get a copy of that because I, like, uh, from the right stuff sale during Christmas, I bought the original Astro Boy. I've been meaning to catch up on more, like, really early animation yeah. from Japan. Uh, I really want to get my hands on Dororo, uh, Dororo to Hiyakimaru because I watched the first couple episodes and I was like, this is really cool and nobody ever talks about this show. Like, <laughs> we gotta, yeah, we gotta resurrect the stuff from the ashes that nobody remembers anymore. Yeah. 
Well, um, yeah, with that, um, I'd like to thank all the gentlemen here for helping me out for my first time hosting. So, uh, and for joining me for this wonderful walk through a world of hitmen and cross-dressers and cops and ramen makers. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, that's Dub Talk, and I don't know how to sign off a Dub Talk episode. So. Oh, 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 you, you gotta say Lilac's catchphrase. And that is, of course, uh, write it down. I will write it down for you. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it once. Oh, yes, of course. Well, Ataku on, my friends. Aloha. Keep it bloody. Good night, folks. <laughs>